Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong. Listen, I am Jeff Howe. Uh, got a lot to talk about. Unfortunately, we got to talk about a Texas loss to TCU. Texas <clears> falls 24-7 to the Horn Frogs. But I think we're going to have fun this week because we started this show uh, kind of going down memory lane a little bit in, in our pre-show meeting, which you guys <laughs> that are longtime listeners know our pre-show meeting exists of about 30 seconds just doing sound checks and Seriously, maybe, ex- maybe sharing a joke or two. And we got inspired during that time period. Yes, we did get inspired. Somehow. And uh, I will go down that here in just a minute. But right now, let me bring in the rest of the team. So we're talking Texas TCU, Texas Kansas, uh, and a couple other things uh, on this week's show. So let me bring in the rest of the team. The rest of the team. The master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, but the man who uh, sits directly in front of me now. I can oh. see his color-coded charts and everything he's got going <laughs> see, on. See. Matt Butler. Matt, uh, how was your weekend? Oh, man. Actually, this past week, uh, really good Work's been paying off. It's a good daily fantasy, basketball season, football. Astros won the World Series. Go Strokes! I arguably had my best work day on the Woo! same day the Astros won the World Series, Beautiful which was day. awesome. Yes, so very awesome. As yeah. l- the three of us are long-suffering Astros fans. This is true. Rod being the only one of us that actually grew up in H-Town, but Matt but and still, I are long-time Astros fans. If you're in the state of Texas and you you chose the Astros or the Rangers, that says something. Oh, it's me. I was, I was make sick. Choice. I was sick the night of the game, the night of game seven, so oh, I barely made it to really? But it's funny how like that head cold or flu or whatever I had was starting to kind of wear off at the end because I was like, oh my god, they're uh, they're four outs away now they're three outs away oh man two outs away yeah and I you know woke up the neighbors and scared the dog <laughs> and scared the cat when you know, the last out was recorded but yes good beautiful times, thing baby good times had by a beautiful Go thing, uh he's an Astros fan he's the Renaissance man on our show because he does so many different things uh, wears so many different hats. But long ago, he was a lifetime. He is a lifetime Longhorn. Long ago, he was a 2002 UT All American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. <laughs> when he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. If he had his T ring in his possession, he would wear it proudly. But nevertheless, he is a card carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts. Uh, Mr. Rod Baby. I noticed you don't bring up the Austin Wranglers in that. Uh, in that no, we, you know, yes. intro. we talked about this. Yeah, that's like that was the, that was because that was the shameful moment for Rod. Be like, if it's for time you, for Rod B to hang it up. If in your you're in your <laughs> your professional career, your kind of ladder of success on the football yes. ladder, right? If the CFL is the equivalent of doing porn, then. Uh, the Arena League is You're almost st- like doing amateur porn. And no, no, not amateur porn. You're straight up hooker. You oh, are walking okay. the strip. 
Yeah, well, like, like, and you know, no, no, hookers are online now. I'm sorry, I don't even know if people know that. <laughs> well, no, seriously, hookers don't walk the strip anymore. They're I've online. I've seen enough SVU episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Work, That's so, how hookers yeah. are now. Like, they don't, like, so there are no hookers. They're like they're on the corner. Escorts. Yeah, they're on the corner anymore. Yeah. It's hard to don't find, touch those like, if they hook. <laughs> if there's a hooker walking in the corner, you're in a bad part of town in a really bad city. Like, you're and you Detroit. may be getting like lured oh, like, into yes. something. Oh, like you know, like eight eight miles. I mean, like you're you know, I mean, you're in New York City in like a really bad. Parts. You don't want to be fucking out with that. You want to at least go online if that's what you want to do, but be careful. Anyway, my point is that's what it was. It was like walking the street as a hooker. And that's why yeah, we that's don't talk about that with your football career, yeah, Rod. You just leave, if you leave play for a team resume. and like yeah. that, your mascot is basically a yeah. um, more famous version is a brand of jeans than the football team, yeah. it's no good. When you're playing at a place that is regularly a host to high school football. Yes, we got to get y'all out of here. The, <laughs> the are, high school team has to you, take the locker rooms. Yes, <laughs> you should not. That that should be a, uh, a a a man in the mirror moment for you, and it, it was for me. Uh, well, uh, it got Even you the I radio. To just it did. Playing and got, I'm having a great lot of fun here, so I'm really happy about that. We're going to talk about Texas, Texas TCU. We're going to talk about Texas Kansas coming up this weekend, and we started talking about the football weekend before the show because. Oh yeah, let me get bring the stat. stat up. This Rob, is awesome. Once again, it's a great so, stat. We were here. just wondering this. Um, yeah, because I, I got it from ESPN Stats and Info, so it's legit. But it says uh, this Saturday will be the first day since October twelfth, two thousand two, with three matchups of AP top ten teams. There's Georgia, Georgia, Auburn. There's Notre Dame, Miami, and TCU, Oklahoma. Of course, here in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Uh, and that meant it's, there are seven matchups, I think, of just ranked teams, period. Right. But there are three matchups of top ten teams. That hadn't happened in a really 15 Block, years. Blockbuster weekend. So Great we started weekend. thinking. One of the greatest in the history of college football. Yeah, October, October 12th, 2002. And I started looking at the 2002 Jeff Texas brought it up. I was schedule. Great, yeah. We just flippantly mentioned it. He was like, is that Rod's? Jeff was like, and and we, we can, were like, yeah, maybe. We confirmed. The last time there was a college football weekend this big Rod Babers hey. was returning a pick six in the Cotton Bowl. Pick six, baby! Yes, he said, oh, happy pick oh, six the, day. Oh, happy pick six day. the biggest college football we- regular season weekend, all right, before this coming up weekend, Rod B was showcased. In, and, and actually, proud, that was probably like considered, it. and we got to go look at the schedule because I haven't done that much research. Game but of Jeff the year. brought it up. It might have been the biggest game it of that weekend, period. 14, Two versus three, three was the year before. 14-3, yes. Sims, Sims senior right? year. Dude. You pick six to go up 17-6. to six. Oh, yes. I'm already excited. Like, pick I want to go play the football right now. I'm, like, really excited. Yes. I'm way too excited just to do a podcast. So, I, <laughs> Jeff, now, Jeff, you got me all pumped up. I got to do a damn show. Well. And, and here's, Thank God we found this out before your show. That's no, dude, good. now it's, it's going to be. I'm, it's I'm, on. That's all I'm talking about for two hours. I don't give a damn. <laughs> DB <laughs> I'm bringing it up every segment of the show. You need yeah. to call out all OU wide receivers <laughs> to call in. He's, I'll take you on right now. Take me. Uh, here's here's just. A, um, um, this is going to take me a while because I got to. I'm oh, throwing no, it in my Google machine. Don't take, no, too uh, long. The other matchups that were that weekend. <laughs> David uh, Green. You had Georgia. number number 13, Michigan. Uh-oh. Hosting number fifteen Penn State. Okay, so that was on the back nice. burner. That was oh, on the back you say burner. Thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, yeah right. that ain't even wow. counted you inside had, the top tens. Wow. This was a gosh. This, this was a memorable weekend. I believe that was the game where Joe Paterno shoved an official at the end of the game or had contact with an <laughs> official oh, at the end of the game. Might be right about game. that. One, ah. Yeah. The other game. The Joe other game that Paterno was Paterno abusing power. The other game. <laughs> the uh, another so game that was that weekend. That. Well you done. guys could remember the call. Well done. 
This was sixth ranked Georgia Ooh. beating Tennessee. Actually, no, the game I'm thinking about was in Knoxville. I was thinking Ooh. about the game where Georgia beats Tennessee. It's a Musa Smith touchdown pass. Musa. And Larry exactly. Munson, the legendary Georgia announcer, says, We yes. just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. Jeff, your memory wow. is getting close to Craig Way stuff. You may, is, no, yeah, you're pointing out things that are random names and random characters. Musa Smith. You but might want to watch it. Sixth ranked Georgia beats 10th ranked Tennessee at home, 1813. Is that 02? That was that, that was, was okay. So was those old, are the three old matchups. Old David I mean, Green. So six probably. Georgia beats ten Tennessee. Man, would you guys like to know what other game was that weekend? Wow. How about number one Miami beating number nine Florida State twenty eight twenty seven that same weekend? Those it was so cool seeing Texas number OU one, number nine. Yeah. Wow. You used to have a lot of Texas OU Miami Florida games back to back. Like I remember my second first year of college watching y'all or it was my third year of college watching Jeez. those two games in the rain also. It's always just a wow. great football weekend. But that is pretty awesome. It might that have been you the greatest college football. Yourself. It might have been the greatest college football weekend that we've seen literally. I mean, I we were just saying that, but this is true. For yeah, top fifteen years. I mean And that's pretty sick that you had the pick six on that day. It's like out of all the days that we could remember and distinctly talk about, it was like wow. that exact day. That's crazy. Yep. But okay, see, now so I'm, we yeah. can move on. Yeah, all right. Yeah, we can move on. Here's the other thing, though, that we Damn. discovered as we made this trip That's down legit, memory man. lane. Um, awesome. We hang on just a sec, guys. I'm trying. I'm to, really excited well, we about move. that. Yeah, and oh, oh okay, that's uh, we not, were that's anything relevant. Oh. Oklahoma, man, that was number two versus number three. Two versus three. So Oklahoma, we were, Texas, two. Yeah, that man, was a big think deal. About how sexy that was. Uh, I know. That's when it w- used I, to be, dude. I, I don't know if I can. I probably was. Man, I don't know how I can handle that emotionally right now. Two versus three. Well, well I mean, you. It reminds wow. me of your emotion after you scored the touchdown because in the pick six, it's on TV. You cannot handle your emotion. Now, like God, you're overwhelmed. As a, as a fan watching the game, I was like, Oh my God, they're gonna do it. This is it. They're gonna be. They're gonna beat Oklahoma. And we hadn't done it in since 1998. you had six and three, fourteen, and then as we discussed wow. last year, which was the 15th anniversary for me of the Pablo Damn. Nacho incident where I lost a bet on the 2001 game. <laughs> and I've never really forgiven Nathan Vasher deep down for fielding that pooch kick inside oh, the one. come on, man. They, really they made so many damn plays. We, we wouldn't have yeah. been there without we've Nathan. Had, Nathan we've we've had nasty Individualized on the, I'll give it up to Nate. We've had Nasty on the podcast. Great guy. But yeah. deep, deep down in the cockles of my heart, I don't know if I'll ever forgive Nathan <laughs> Vasher. One Would play. you forgive somebody, Rod, if you lost a bet where it ended with you having to wear an OU well, shirt and sing but that's what you're saying. Look at the other 99 plays, and they sort of dilute the one mistake. State. We don't win Nebraska without Nate. I mean, I could, I could name like four games that we, we lose without Nasty. But the Nate. reason why the 2002 weekend got brought up and why we lamented on it before the show is Rod made the comment that you felt like, Rod, if you guys had won that game with you having the pick six, you might have gone around higher in the draft. I really – no, seriously, think about it. We was number – Number two versus number three. So legitimately, we probably vaulted number one in the country. Uh, like the 08 team did when they beat OU and right? vaulted to number and one in the country. And there's that, you know, the Texas Tech one at the end. But you could argue that Texas is a different team if they don't lose so you that mm-hmm. we may win that game. Man, we played a national title game. Robbie made a lot of big plays in big games. That was kind of my thing. Like, I I, made, I actually played my worst games. I like football against player the, against like Robbie. Iowa State. Like I really like I played my worst games because like I was and like I, I just didn't play well against teams I didn't get up for them I will, I will admit that but for the big games that's why I always had my biggest plays Oklahoma Big Twelve title game like here I play big games and very well and I think your boy probably would have made big plays in those marquee games where would have helped my draft value go up a little bit just a notch not saying I would have been first round hell no I wasn't that talented but like third round. 
and Robbie goes third round. Maybe I go to a different team. Maybe different things happen. Blah blah blah. blah. Different. You know and then I, mean? I discuss because it's, it's Rod- like the, the Back to the Future theory. Yep. All right, just the slightest wrinkle in the fabric of time that has changed can do the butterfly effect. It can change everything. But as, yep. as we were discussing, <laughs> you know, after Rod's rookie year, the Super Bowl was in Houston. He runs into Kelly Rowland, the Super Bowl party. Oh, Maybe Rod B has a better rookie year, and a better situation. <laughs> he runs into Kelly Rowland. He gets into some of that Destiny's Child money, and then. <laughs> It's totally different for Rod this B. This is true. All sorts this of things. True. That's exactly the one degree of difference. Who knows where it goes from there? Hey, man, I saw Beyonce back then. Imagine if you yeah. want. Maybe my game was so important, I could have gotten Ain't to no Beyonce. Hover. That's where my last time I, I met Beyonce, I saw Beyonce face-to-face was 2003 in the Super Bowl. Imagine how different my life would be if I had hit on Beyonce it all worked because I was balling out of control. Man, imagine my life. But I got a good life right now. And now you're sitting it's, here face-to-face I with feel, me and Matt. I feel like Jimmy Stewart on It's a Wonderful Life. Like. <laughs> <laughs> now you're sitting here face-to-face with me and Matt. So it's, we're not Beyonce, but. No, 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 but it's great. Yeah. I'm having a great time. But that's a good By point. By the way, for those of you who are new to the podcast, and there's, you know, that we still get mm. tweets every week. People don't know the Blitz is back. So, yes, if you're a longtime Blitz listener, please pass on the word. Help us get the word out. The Blitz is back. We've been back for a while now. So yes, all season. We're up and running strong. Yeah. Thanks to Aaron Hogan, everybody at 104.9 The Horn, for letting us into the family. Yeah. Uh, you can catch Rod every day, 1 to 3, uh, on the Rodcast. That's uh, 104.9 AM 1260, uh, hornfm.com, the Horn app. Anyway, if you're not in ATX, you can listen to Rod B uh, every day, five days a week, wherever you are. I appreciate uh, and that, Rod's dude. also doing uh, pregame with the Horn as well. Since this Saturday is a home game, uh, That's right. Rod, it'll be Kansas. you and the Big mm-hmm. Uglies along with E. Hogan at uh, Schultz Garden. So what's better than Schultz Garden? It's 5 o'clock, too. It's 5 yeah, o'clock so you come it's out, you sleep in, every time of the day on the go game get day. brunch, and then still come out to the pregame. I'm hoping that we get a good turnout because, I mean, I don't people like getting you know, students. And I think that's ridiculous. Don't get on these students. All right, about them attending the games because it's a bad product, and you shouldn't. It's, it's, it's capitalism. You should not have to consume a damn bad product. Okay? And All Texas right? fans are Texas fans. We weren't even showing up when there was a good product. They like the that's, party. That's a very good point. But uh, the students, that's a good point. And it's a late game, so they should come because mm-hmm. they should be able to sleep Much in. So. And then I understand being a student. Social but event. people getting on the students, I think it's unfair to get on the students about their attendance. Hell, nobody. There, there are a lot of people that ain't coming to these games, and it ain't just all students. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. Right. All right. And so, they've been all day in AM games. So when you yeah. talk about home games it's a horrible environment i mean an 11 a.m is a non-existent tailgate and it's exactly. rightfully so a 2:30 is basically you got to be bordering like crazy hangover if you're a college kid getting up to go party just to get there in time to go to the 2:30. a six and a seven o'clock game that's an all-day event everything's yeah. built around it in texas football is more of a social thing so you'll have droves of people now they still may show up 30 minutes late just because that is normal to college students. I would show up 30 minutes late because you get have fun out in no, the parking no, no, lot no, with no, a great no, time. No, no. But it'll pack the Dude, house for an evening students, game. It'll be a lot more well, than you'd expect. When Texas was winning games, students would come early. I don't, I don't give a damn what y'all are saying. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like when, when Texas was winning games, I remember students here early. When, during the VY, Cole McCoy years, when Texas was at its best, students were there early hanging out, having a good time. Now, I grant you, it wasn't 11 a.m. kickoffs all the time. Exactly. Right, so, no, and you'd be event. running in but to get there at the last second. I think this is a product of a better. Listen, this is a defense of team and the best player on the offense is a freaking punter okay so you cannot blame people that's a bad product it yeah. ain't fun to watch texas football that tcu game was boring to watch it's one of those games you can fall asleep on it's not fun to watch okay and young people like fun football yeah. texas football ain't fun to watch sorry sorry to break your hearts and that's why t- t- uh, young people don't want to watch it 
All right? I don't want to watch it. I got to watch it. It's my job. And this home schedule all, right? all year sucks. Like, so, there isn't yeah, even a big home it's game. It's just great. a bad season so, for a home yeah, environment. Get over the attendance thing. All right? What was the last time Texas sold out a game? It was Notre Dame, right? Because you had a big name opponent coming to town. And First I expect. Yeah, yep. expectations were high and that kind of thing. So when you win games, you'll sell out games. One thing affects the other. So right now, get back to the base. Get back to winning football games. Get back to bowl game, for God's sake. We've seen even during this run, though, guys, the times that students have been there and been lively, go back to 2012. The West Virginia game, I think it was number 8 That's versus right. number 10 or right. 9 versus 11. Students got there. They're winning games. Complaining oh, about f- but what's right? that? Great point. Amazing video game great football point. with two top ten opponents great, at also, night. Also, also a great point. All those things are all check yes. marks. And Notre so Dame, same it's thing. It's just normal when yeah. you look at it. I mean, I haven't went down for day games because it's just not as good of an atmosphere. A night game, that's fun to go to, so I would expect to see more of a crowd. Matt, I've heard Bucky talk about this, but you and I are, are old enough or young enough to remember when this was a thing. Like, you could go get, like, the $5 Upper deck ticket at Randall's. For mm-hmm. home games. Uh, yeah. I remember friends when Way we were young. You could day. get super cheap ones. But yeah, not even. Well, the tickets isn't. It's just more of the product. And but, yeah, there's but a lot I'm of options. What I'm saying is that was when the product was bad and people weren't going to games. So it's to yeah. really to rob. The same point thing. It's just there's a bad product. It's a this is capitalism. That product sucks. Why would you pick it off the shelf? You aren't going to go. There are hurry better products there out there. First. You'll there, get there when it brings you. There, there are other things to entertain you these days. This ain't this ain't the 1960s and the 70s mm-hmm. where like, hell football's the only thing in town. No, it ain't. This is Austin, Texas. They don't have to consume that, and I can watch it at home when I get up. So get over that. You win games, and people will come out to watch you. Yep. That is American sports in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, look at the Astros. Okay, prime example. Mm-hmm. Astros got a, a zero rating for a ton of games when they were tanking, yeah. right? When they were losing 100-plus games. Fans, bring your brown bag. Zero ratings. Nobody in the city of Houston was watching them at all. Trust me, five years ago, 20 bucks could go a long way at Minimum. Right? Now, <laughs> hey, everything's hyped up. They got sushi in there and then torchies in, in uh, Minute Maid in the juice box. Hey, man, because now it's a great product to watch. Matter of fact, it might be the most exciting baseball to watch yeah. in all of Major League Baseball, and everybody wants to go see games. So get over it. That's why people don't want to come see you. Forget about that. Oh, you got to be committed to Texas football. You're a fair with the fans. Screw you. All right? It costs money to go to them damn games. Don't give a damn. You must be some rich mother. You know what no, I mean? Like, forget you. Like, that. unless it's good football, I'm not going to watch it. I don't want to go watch this team sometimes because no. they suck. To buy tickets, it is, it's damn expensive. Like, yeah, I'll just so give you a fan perspective. Like, literally, last year I threw down 200 to get Notre Dame tickets, but nobody factors in. Like, literally parking, a ride there, a oh, ride man. back. It's a $500 experience drink. almost. Yes. And if you want to do that for San Jose State and do that, like, Come once on, you add these up, like, Come most on, people go to one home game a year if you can, and then you try to fit around what you can around it on the outside. And outside of that, like, yeah, you have your season ticket holders, but those people, they almost take it for granted. They'll be the ones showing exactly. in a little late. Exactly. So then that's just the environment, but yet, like y'all are saying, if you win or if you just say you had a crazy-ass game like somebody like Tech coming to town, you know it's going to be entertaining, exactly. then you're going to end up having the stands packed. So we'll just see. And then next year, it's going to be awesome when you have USC here. Exactly. It's just going to be like Notre Dame. Like, I predict <laughs> all this crap. You figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry for the rant. No, it's all good because I think a lot of people, you know, People are on both sides of the fence on the attendance thing, but I'm kind of with you, Rod. I mean, I, I think if it's a better product, I think people will come out. My, my question is this, though. It, better product aside, I do wonder, though, 
Um, does college football need to rethink stadium size? Because well, you know now, them. as you said, Rod, right. and I agree with you, there are more options. I mean, people, some people would rather they aren't enjoy losing money well, though. Who but cares? people, people would rather enjoy the experience of staying at home. I mean, with with four yeah. K TVs and home mm-hmm. entertainment. Uh, systems that we have yeah, now. That's fine, though. Uh, you yeah. know, your own beer. You're not spending ten bucks per beer. It's you know, it's it's a cheaper experience to stay at home. So, does that something that for the long term maybe college football uh, needs? to Probably. Maybe, maybe it starts maybe hurting. But right now, college football is not hurting. These well, but it's not the attendance, though, Matt. It's it's the club seating and, and sponsorships and all things like that. You know, you're but those you're, universities. We don't have to worry about them profiting. More. No, 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 They're no. They're going to profit no. fine. So I'm no, just saying, like we the football product. As long as the teams keep playing, and I mean, you have this basically free minor league system college football is going to be there forever no, and what yeah, I'm saying you might is, not fill out the stadium on a consistent it, basis would you rather have a hundred thousand seat stadium with fifteen thousand empty seats if the product isn't good or would you rather ensure yourself if you're you know an eighty thousand seat stadium that you know you've got a butt every 18 inches I, I on think, a more consistent I, I, basis, I think you, you know? do it kind of like the the, the the professional franchise do it like the NBA and the NFL Jerry Jones has a hundred thousand plus seat stadium because Jerry Jones is doing more things Concerts other than football night. and also they're the Dallas freaking Cowboys okay mm, when yeah. Dallas Cowboys are good they can sell out that stadium yeah. when they're really really good people come to watch the Cowboys but if you are you know if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars you might want to watch it. You know what I mean? You might want to watch building a huge stadium. You might want to try to focus yeah. more on, you mm-hmm. know, and making it a more intimate setting and trying to focus on other different kind of exotic uh, atmosphere and ambiance things. You know what I mean? So I think it all depends on who you are for Texas. I'm kind of in a Jerry Jones category. Like, mm-hmm. man, that's freaking Texas. Like, Damn, when Texas one. is good, people will come see this team. Like, Austin is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. Like, and it is growing yeah, exponentially. The and, we, and, growing. and Texas, people will come watch Texas football like they will come watch the Cowboys, whether they like football or not, because it is the thing to do. The dynamic you know will change I mean? a little bit once that uh, once that south end zone is finished, because that's going to be club seating. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you guys Money, can see maybe. Uh, USC has at the Coliseum with kind yeah. of that end zone club. Oh, yeah. Um, Kansas has one. At Memorial Stadium, kind of that end zone club yeah, Texas, city type thing. Texas That's needs what that. that south end zone is going to be once it's Austin's once it's perfect for the hell, man. Amazon right now, and Amazon's uh-huh. did, honestly the traffic in, in Austin, from what I'm, I'm hearing behind the scenes, is hurting Texas's, uh, like Austin, Texas. Yeah, no public. Transit. Yeah, that there is hurting yeah. their chances of getting the new Amazon campus. Amazon's narrowed the choices down to like four or five cities in the country where they want to build their new campus, mm-hmm. like the, the biggest campus in the history of Amazon. They want to build it somewhere. And Austin's one of those towns. Traffic is kind of hurting them. The lack of public transportation is hurting their cause, but they, they still don't give a damn. That's how hot the city is. Maybe you, and, but maybe you build it, you know, a little south kind of minor. Yeah, well, exactly. And finding County. property too is a big thing because yeah. where are you really going to find it in the middle of the city? You want it close. But my point is, there's so much business here in this city. They will invest in Texas football right. because it's just the biggest brand yeah. in the city, which is what Jerry Jones knows about the Cowboys. So yeah, yeah I think if you base it on a, a, a case by case basis, if you're Kansas football, you might want to watch building a big stadium. You know what I mean? I, Iowa I, I, State. They're football. Re- about to renovate Memorial State. I believe Hence, they're going to downsize. The yeah, exactly. And make and make it cooler though. You can yeah, downsize yeah. it and make it like the, Baylor did. Exactly. Great uh, point. TCU did. Great point. I agree. Well, with that. That's understanding. Only holds like fifty five thousand. I've heard. I've heard it's a great oh, yeah, stadium. It's awesome. Stadium. That also yeah. takes self awareness from those schools. Some schools think they're bigger than they are. Like you would never see Aggies say we're going to make you, it smaller, you, but Baylor smartly did so. You'd rather have the problem if people like, man, you got to expand the stadium yes. rather than 
Damn, yeah, ain't man. nobody coming you to your game. You, you got Ken Fields up there like USC, yeah, UCLA. Exactly. So you'd rather have the other problem where, man, you need to expand and say me do it now. So mm-hmm. I agree with TCU's philosophy. TCU is a great fucking program. We can get into it, but I said freaking. I know it sounded like I said something else, but I said freaking. Uh, <laughs> I said a great freaking. I said a great freaking. Staying in knowing who you are, just throwing this out there. Do you realize that Texas State and Baylor, their stadium seating capacity is about the same? Really, I didn't know that. The fix, the fix for fixed seating. Yeah, interesting. I didn't know that. Just kind of random, just throwing that out there. Yeah, just it's kind of how you know, rice, like, it, rice, rice in Houston. And yeah, how they rice were, yeah. has the rice has the. I think they're having it, some architectural issues. Yeah, though. oh, it's so damn old. That's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. So it's like if you start chipping away, does the whole thing just yeah, come, come yeah? You now. start realizing, oh, we got bigger issues. We got foundation issues with a stadium. <laughs> like, Rod, you got a right, nice rice stadium story, do you not? I love. I actually had a picnic in the. Uh, other things happen. Uh, in, in actually on the fifty yard line of Rice Stadium, it used to be open to the public where you can go there and work out. Like my drone sap. Yeah, we used to go there and work out as high Same school guys. Same here in Austin. And I used to take chicks there as like a late night date spot. I would have picnics on the fifty yard line of Rice Stadium at night. Straight up, <laughs> and would nobody style. be there, and it was awesome. And I a couple of times, I'm just going, hey. Things things were going we'll, down. Uh, we'll let rumor. I'm telling in, you, we'll let hey, rumor and innuendo take off. With it was what a beautiful day. That's how you know you're not a big time football program. Somebody right. can be at your, on your 50 yard line of your stadium having picnics. You ain't a good football program. <laughs> but now when, it's locked up. Now it's locked up. Like so you can't this get was into like it back now. what? Like you were oh, this was like 1997 or, or something. Uh, see, I was thinking if it yeah, could like have been like freshman year, if it would have been 94, that would have been exactly when the scene in Dayston confused in Wooderson. Yeah, the 50 yard it was like 96, 97. I'm right down the road from Robbie's here. just driving, just you know that taking chicks inner out. Because I, I hung out there so much because we worked out there. Me and Jerome said that was our workout spot. They had great ramps to run up, and then great like you can run up the stands. It was a great spot, and then they had the field. Of course, it was our workout spot of choice. Super Bowl has been played at Rice Stadium. And I have had sex on the 50 yard line. Sorry. There you go. There you yeah. have it. You don't need a room in innuendo now. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie okay. just spilled that's the just, beans. That's innuendo. That's hearsay. hearsay. All right. We've, hearsay. Uh, we've jacked around long enough. We have. Uh, we've got to uh, we gotta get to this Texas TCU game. And honestly, gentlemen, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this for a couple reasons. One, it's not a pretty game to relive. But number two, and I know people were complaining about the offense, and Texas fans have a right to be yeah. upset with a bad product. Let's do that. Um, Rod, actually, something interesting I found going through the record books in this game. So the nine yards of rushing offense Texas had was the fourth tied for the fourth lowest in school history. I know because I I was on a couple of those. Did teams. you realize that the lowest that. total yard, the lowest rushing output in a game by a Texas team? You were a member of that team. Was it? O- yeah, game? two thousand OU game. I knew it was OU. Minus yeah. seven yards rushing. Minus seven that. yards. Who was that? Hodges Mitchell Hodges was Mitchell, our running yeah. back. I think yeah. a lot of that sack yardage though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That team went on to win a national title too. So um, I mean, that's less shame in it. But you're right. That's uh, that's but shameful. There's, there's also a game Rod you were a part of that is not for whatever reason it's not officially listed in the record books. It's there, but it's not officially listed number one. One, which is the minus 27 yards the 99 team had in the 2000 Cotton Bowl loss to Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Man, Texas versus Arkansas, because Charlie Strong's got one of those. Yeah. Versus Arkansas the most recently. Two yards rushing yeah. in a two spot. Um, yeah, I don't know what that – I think I was on that list like three times because I think we had a we had two 2000 – maybe it was two 99s and one 2000. Uh, the 2002 Oklahoma. team you were on because Texas gave up seven sacks. Yeah. I forgot that the 2002 season opener against North Texas, North Texas had eight sacks in that game. And I think Booger bad. Kennedy might have had all eight of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. it could have been. I mean, I no, just trust me. I played on the defensive side, so there are times when you I remember watching this offense going, 
What, what are y'all doing out there? And it's just a great. It's go back to the and Greg Davis criticisms. Uh, but now I think you miss Greg Davis because you you don't appreciate a good thing when you got it. Uh, so Longhorn fans now it's like how uh, I'm a Texans fan. So watching Tom Savage after the show and watching gets hurt tears his ACL like it's emotional this weekend. And I and I was talking to the Texans fans and I was like, I think you guys are missing Brock Osweiler. They miss him. They actually, like, Brock Osweiler now is like, man, I wish we could have Brock Osweiler back. <laughs> like, I think Longhorn fans, even though we they heavily criticized Greg Davis, hell, I did too, I'm sure, at times, even on the bench for Texas football, you realize now, like, how, how good you had it. That, you know what I mean, like, that, that, that someone like Greg Davis could, could become a football mind and could adapt his culture. Well, I've told you guys time and, and again, it makes me take back every bad thing I ever said about Brian Harson. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, or exactly. Him, or, or any other OCs before him. You know except what I mean? for Sean Watson. Yeah, and Greg Davis, a lot of those situations, yeah. you can see how the game script maybe led you that way, but a guy like him had to be so confident that he continued, despite being down against OU, and like you know that you might not want to abandon your plan, but you have to be confident to keep on just throwing to get back into this game, that you end up going point. for negative yardage, rushing, but he's doing it out of, hey, man, I'm confident. Necessity. I think we need to do something. We can Necessity. go and Instead of being knowing your restrictions and basically being conservative and not doing so, we can see these horrible games in the record. But look at Garrett Gilbert, 52 throws and five picks against K State or Oklahoma whenever you have negative six rushing because you abandon the run, you're trying to throw to come back in the game, and it just even versus uh, Nebraska with Garrett Gilbert, right? Did he have more rushing Rushing yards? yards 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 And so I'll say this about the the games that I confidence was sometimes crazy. Those teams that I ended up a part of that ended up uh, being, you know, having those miserable, abysmal rushing performances, they were sporadic. Mm-hmm. They were they were aberrations yep. of that offense. They were just like, what the hell happened and to he Texas? And he wasn't going to give up. You know like, what I mean? We're this, it all back. This, this offense is it, everything that exists with it is systemic. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the, 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 those, that 2000 game, those 99 games, they were like an aberration for yes. Hodges Mitchell and for that offense. Hodges Mitchell was a thousand yard back. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it was like, it damn. Hodges. So it was like, it was more, the disappointment was, man, why didn't y'all show up against Oklahoma? Why didn't you show up in the bowl game? Why didn't you, you know what I mean? That's that. But versus with Sean Watson and the, Arkansas game most recently where we had the abysmal rushing performance uh-huh. of Sean Watson as the OC and with this team versus TCU which is I will say this best defense in the Big 12 and the number three rushing defense in the country it's more like damn again I have seen no improvement from this offense and we yeah. shouldn't have expected it versus TCU that's right. our fault yeah I I basically I don't want to say I called it because it was easy to call but we said the kind of the game plan Texas had to follow to beat TCU. We knew they weren't going to be able to run the ball. Can't run the ball. Because we've seen this offense try to run the ball. Even even against Baylor, they didn't have success running the ball against yeah, Baylor until you wore Baylor down late in the game. We yes. knew they weren't going to be able to run the ball. We knew they were going to have to take deep shots down the sideline. And, and they did. Look at the one scoring drive they had. Deep it was, shots. It was a two-play drive on two deep Little shots. Little Jordan Humphrey, then Colin Johnson. And then they had success with Daniel Young throwing it down there. They yeah. threw like six or seven deep shots. I want to say completed close to 50% of the deep, this random deep shots they threw. And, but, Rod, it goes back to, and Tom Herman mentioned this after the game, and, and, and I, my frustration stems from hearing Tom Herman talk after the game and then kind of piecing it together when he's saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't just run on first down, throw it three times, and then punt. Maybe we should run some quick game on first down. And it's like, 
you're just now admitting this publicly after yeah. game nine, and, and we've been talking about this all year. Like, five, since, like the, the thing, and Matt, I understand what you're talking about with, with the issues this offensive line has. And look, this offensive line is what it is. It's not getting any better. Nope. You can't sign guys off the It was never right. good, though. Right. It was never but, good from the beginning of the year. Even when they were as healthy as they wanted to be, they Connor were never Williams. good. That's right. why we were running Ellinger into a wall my, to get an extra block. My issue was this, Rod. This offensive line is repeatedly asked to do things that they have proven time and again they are incapable of doing. That's a great point. So point. is that on your offensive line being garbage? Yeah, oh, part of it you. is. Part of it's on the staff where if you turn it into a drop-back passing game, and look, there are going to be situations in a game where you're going to have to take seven-step drops and five-step drops, and it's not going to work out. But if you're constantly running empty sets on early downs and turning it into a drop-back game, then you know what? You kind of deserve what you get. My, I think you just hit it on the head there, too. It's like, and I said it on the show, on the broadcast uh, yesterday, you know, there are bad actors in Hollywood. Like, bad, I mean, guys who are just bad. They're, the best bad actor of all time is Arnold Schwarzenegger. C- didn't even really speak no English well, and he was just a bad actor. Couldn't but act. But he got buff. But he chose really good scripts, really good screenplays. That's what he did really well. He chose, uh, like, you know what I mean, he chose Predator, Terminator, you know, Kindergarten Cop. He he, he just he, he, he chose his scripts really well, and so now he's considered one of the most iconic actors of all time because he didn't try to put a square peg into a round hole. He didn't try to put himself into a role that he couldn't play. He knew. He looked, no in mirror, yeah, he looked in the mirror. He looked in the mirror and said, I'm a bad actor. I can't play. I can't do what Denzel Rock. Washington what does. Doing. Yeah, I can't do what those guys do. I can't do what Tom Hanks does. No, you're you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like Steven Seagal, stay in your lane. Steven Seagal. It's it does it, 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 uh, Keanu Reeves is like that, and um, Nicholas Cage is in that oh, category. God, There's great bad actors, but they choose really good scripts. And my problem with this Texas offense, I don't think they do. They know they're bad. You're supposed to know you're bad. You're supposed to know you ain't got no running game. Like, no running game at all. They act as if they do, though. Like, you don't know your offensive line is the worst offensive line. Honestly, we've seen in decades. It's worse than the 2010 offensive line. Well, hmm. I was looking. It's worse than that. It is. I went back to 2014, so you That's tell me which offensive line you would rather have. And let, let's say. No, I don't have to. We don't have to play this game. The, 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 sure? This offensive line is the worst offensive line in decades. Are you serious? Okay, so let's just go. It's let's worse than 2010. Let's just go lineup for lineup. Let's go lineup for lineup. If you go with this offensive line, would you rather have an offensive line with Derek Kerstetter, Patrick Vahey, Zach Shackelford, Jake McMillan, and Derek Kerstetter? Zach Shackelford has been hurt a lot, too. Or the 2014 offensive line, Marcus Hutchins, Cedric Flowers, Taylor Doyle, Kent Perkins, Cameron Hughes? 2014. It's not even close to me. It's like comparing Tom Savage and Brock Osweiler. It ain't close. I'll take Brock Osweiler. It's the best of the bad. It's burnt toast and stale <laughs> bread, but I okay. will take it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's not even close. This offensive line is horrible. It's yes. not their fault. They're they, they, they've young, had s- six different injuries and offensive line transfers since the start of the season. Here, remember, Tom Harmon compares some of the pieces on the whole line to the 2014 Ohio State O-line. And he said that hasn't changed because he's talking yeah. about their top but end in he's four years. That, exactly. So my point is this. You know your O line is bad, man. They've been bad since Maryland. They ain't like I don't. They understand. were bad in camp, right? They were bad in camp. So like my, we, I heard in camp. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, but, go ahead. But this is where you can take bits and pieces because, like, I know a lot of fans have kind of soured on practice reports and scrimmage reports from close scrimmages. Like, oh, it doesn't mean nothing. But one thing that kept coming up, and Rod, you and I talked about this off air when we were having our own conversations. Yeah. 
How many times did you hear from a close scrimmage? They didn't run the ball as well as they wanted to. Yep. Eh, running game, running game wasn't that good today. That's right. And I'm like, okay, this is the third scrimmage where the run game hadn't been good. Maybe that should start sending off. Some, and remember, some, this some, is sort of some, when we clicked after week alarms. one, seeing Maryland and being like, wait, wait, wait. Maybe this defense just isn't very good at the time because we didn't know what we're interpreting because when you're going against yourself, you don't know which unit is dominating for what reason, and you can learn that as the year goes on. But as, on. We, as we've gone on, we've realized that the Maryland game, that was the that was the outlier for this defense. This defense yeah. has been damn good. Exactly. That was the aberration. It is yeah. a national championship level defense. No question. It just but, shows how you skew your perceptions the, just off of a week or two. The issue with this program, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, this is a national championship level defense with the best punter in the country, and you've got maybe a four win offense, and you don't have a Division one caliber kicker on your roster. You have no margin for error, um, and this is what this is the the issue with Shane Bouchel because I love Shane Bouchel and I think he did a great job in that game because he's got no time. He's got hit. He got hit about twenty times in terms of he got sacked seven times. You talk about the knockdowns, and I know Tom Herman was a little tough on him saying he got to do more. He's got to do better. I'm like, who the hell do you think Shane Bouchel is? Do you know who that guy is? He works best within this structure and framework of an offense. He's not Sam Ellinger. He's like, he's got to do better. I was like, man, I think he's being pretty harsh on him, considering he's got no time to throw well, the Shell's football. almost a guy that's sustained by a yeah. good system in exactly. offense. Exactly. That's really what he's at his best. Yes. He'll reach his ceiling. A guy like Sam Ellinger, he doesn't really need a structure of an offense. Mm. And I think that's what Tom Herman's expecting. That's why I think he was a little tough on Shane. It's because he wants Sam to the point where everything can break down around Sam and he can still go make a football play. So I, But my, my, my point about this offense is we've seen different things work, right, at different times. So I'm looking for the, the – the, 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 it's, it's a barren wasteland. Like it is a radioactive barren wasteland. That's what this offense is. So when you go – when somebody go to Mars or they go to a different planet or something, they send one of those probes, they're looking for the smallest bacterium of life. Any sign of life. I'm talking about Theobacillus, uh, which is a, a, a bacterium that can survive inside radioactive waste. So that's what you're looking for with this Texas offense. You're looking for the Theobacillus. What's the smallest little thing that has worked? Just a little bit, all right, in this barren wasteland of an offensive uh, kind of philosophy. And we've seen the screen game work at times. I've seen short game passing, like the high percentage passing game versus K-State, 150 yards after the catch. We know that's something the uh, the wide receivers do really well. Um, We've seen, even even Tom Herman brought it up, we've seen, uh, you know, at times – uh, this offense be able to throw the deep ball, and they did it versus TCU before TCU adjusted. They can throw the deep mm. ball. They can win 50-50 matchups in the deep ball. So there are some things that I've seen from the offense. I'm like, Occasionally the quick-hitting inside zone run game. Yeah. I'd say so all those why, things, though, are away from the line of scrimmage. No, no, I agree. Exactly. So you've got to get to the <laughs> perimeter, away, which, right. is, which tells you also something about the offense. My point is that I don't see any any, any building upon those concepts. When I'm watching that, right. like week to week, it's like, oh, this week the the, the deep ball was working for Texas. Yeah. Oh, last week it was the high percentage passing game. Oh, the week before that, turns out the the inside zone was working. Oh, the week before that, the screen game. And I was like, well, well, okay, combine those week to week. You learn something new about your team. Yeah. This works. This works, and build on. It. They don't do that. They don't do it every week. It's like a, a brand new offense. It's a show about nothing. I don't have no idea what the plot of this offense is going to be for week to week, and they don't know either. It just feels Rod like they're just running plays. They are, and this is why the first the scripted plays they have because all coaches script their first few plays, whether it be fifteen or ten or whatever. I think Tim they Beck s- said six. They suck. They suck. You wonder why they suck? Because this offense has no identity. They suck. You know what I mean? And I will say this about this Texas offensive staff. I don't think they're really good at game planning. I don't, I don't think they're great, good at game planning. 
You know what I mean? I like, think about the they've scored three first quarter touchdowns this year. I, I, and I may be mistaken about that. It's like three. They've scored the least amount of touchdowns of any quarter in the first quarter. So they're game planning in terms of knowing who you are offensively and then being able to dissect the defense and then exploit them. They're freaking horrible. But they do. Yeah. They adjust really well. And, and see, that's, that's just actually, the that's actually something during you really the game. want. That's during the, the opposite game. of 2014 because let's go back and compare this. I that, would take that, that off- long term. That offense that's a good gar- point. No, I'm just, I'm just yeah, pointing yeah. out yeah, observation. Yeah. That offense was garbage as well. Yes. But Sean Watson's opening scripts were really good. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah. His first like 20. We like, talked 20, about that. So this is 15, bizarre, to 15 to 20 plays. Yeah. Those were really good. Yeah, it was game plan. Now, really after well. that, it his was a, wheels off. His adjustments, and horrid. I, and I'll never forget the press conference where I asked <laughs> yeah. him about, about in game adjustments. And his answer to me was, oh, there are no adjustments. There are no game. adjustments. They gave oh, you that look really? like a dog. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <he's, laughs> It was almost like when I heard Greg Davis tell us about uh, oh. running the horizontal offense against UCLA. Like, huh? Oh, yeah. What? Really? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, Rod, to your point about the offensive line and, and why, you know, again, asking your personnel to do things that repeatedly have proven they can't do, this is according to Pro Football Focus, which, as you guys know, with the partnership with 24-7 Sports and Pro Football Focus, I've got it's access fantastic. to all, all the data. Um, do you know that they charted on the 58 passing plays in the TCU game? Shane Bouchelle was hurried 17 times. That's not good. 17 hurts. That's about seven. double as many as he should be. I think he was hit probably 20 times. I mean, he took a beating. I, I got so much respect for Shane Bouchelle. I think he's going to come back next year, too, because of the way things are working out. Well, I, you, wouldn't you mean he's got to for it? it but job. here's the thing, Ron. I, I mm-hmm. think he would because at this point, I don't know if this staff knows what they want to be offensively. They I know don't. Tom Herman's got a system, right? Yeah. But clearly you don't have the personnel to run that system. Can't run it. And, and, and this is what bothers me about the offense. What makes anybody think that this thing's going to be that much better next year? Well, because you might not have the, uh, the, the 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 defense to lean on. Because I I think that thing get, could get good. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. That I would could say the main thing would be just because if you look across any position, the place where the steadiest and most growth may be from a first to second or second to third year would be offensive line because of the physicality. So that would be the reason that and, you may have time. Right, but now. it doesn't change the fact that you still got guys playing tackle that aren't tackles. Yeah, but you are manufacturing but, uh, depth. We got a whole and off season, and you have players. That yeah, you're. No, I would say you are a manufacturer. These are guys that we all agree are that's backups. Be fixed, but that's the one thing to no. give you an indicator that you might have a reason for hope next year is because then the offense may right, have a whole area that we have not They're going to improve. My point is how much better are they going to get? I still think next year when you look at it, does Connor Williams, Connor Williams come back? What if Connor Williams leaves? Does Elijah, yeah. Elijah Rodriguez? Keep in mind, Elijah Rodriguez is going to be a graduate. Does he decide? Man, maybe I just not, maybe that's not going to come back. You're probably not going to have Andrew Beck back, even though he can come back for another yeah. year. Are you right? How much more dynamic at tailback are you going to be? Are you going to count on Antonio Carter and Danny Young being better? Does mm-hmm. is Keontae Ingram the guy? Because I think we can all agree. If you're a Texas fan still waiting for Kyle Porter or Chris Warren to have this big breakout <laughs> no, game, ain't you're on the bandwagon by yeah. yourself. That know. ship has sailed. There you go. No question. And, and broad the person, and I know you've harped on this too. The personnel decisions at wide receiver just continue Perplexing. to it's, it. it's stupefying yes. because you've clearly got guys: Colin Johnson, Little Jordan Humphrey, Humphrey, Reggie Hempill. Those are three guys you've got that change plays. the game. They yep. make game-changing plays. Get the ball yeah. in their hands. So why does your snap di- distribution? Why is still? Why is Lorenzo Joe of, of seventy-five snaps you have on offense? 
Why is Lorenzo Joe getting 24 snaps? Why is Dorian Leonard getting I, 35 Joe's snaps? Lorenzo been pretty impressive. 29 though, I snaps say. to John Burt. I'm saying get. Well, get, I'm just saying that, like, if we're talking, you know, objectively, I haven't seen Lorenzo Joe make a mistake, so he, he may be earning those those reps. I'm saying give the, yeah. you get more bang for your it. buck if you give those snaps to Lil yeah. Jordan Humphrey that's, or Colin I, yeah, Johnson. I, I think what Jeff is getting no, to, I and I agree. No, saying, no, but, I, I understand what you're saying, and that's I think you have the Tom Herman. Uh, kind of mentality, man. Yeah. It's like, okay, these guys are they, they are doing everything I asked them in practice. They in practice they are because I'm way I'm distributing the reps in practice. They are performing at the exact same level as these other guys. And in the game, I you know I am going to give them their due reps because of what's done in practice. We know Tom Herman, but I think most people believe, and I'm in the camp. We're here with Jeff. That well, at this point in the season, okay, nine games in. We know who the best players are at each position. And if you don't know that as an offensive staff, then I don't know how I don't know what to tell you. You're being overpaid. Okay? Because at this point, I can tell you who the best wide receivers are. And I, I can agree tell with you who the best names. They look the best. You know what I mean? The best running backs are in what situations. And I don't think the staff has actually figured that out. And that's perplexing because it's like, well, Give Kyle, if you're they they would divide up the reps. They didn't make it to the red zone this year, this uh, game. So I don't. Zero, I, I was blown yeah. away. No zero red zone trips. Zero red zone trips. So I don't know. But there were times in the game prior to that, even versus Baylor and, and Oklahoma State, where they wouldn't have Colin Johnson in on the red zone. And you're like, well, if you're only gonna play Colin Johnson for thirty something snaps. Wouldn't eight of those snaps be all the red zone opportunities you have? It's like they're mismanaging their offensive personnel. You know what I mean? So I agree with Jeff on this. I think that that, that alone, that common sense of just playing the best players and putting them in a position to make plays, that that shows bad game planning, which I talked about number one, right? So game planning, hey, you should get those guys the ball. And this is the high percentage passing game. Even Tom Herman talks about it after the the, the TCU game. He says, we got to employ more of the quick game. You think? You think? We've been talking about the high percentage passing game, whether it be Shane Bouchelle, who's really good because he's accurate, or Sam Ellinger, who's been who's really good at during the K-State game. I brought it up on the show, 150 yak yards in that game. He's like, yeah, we got to do more of that. I'm like, I <laughs> understand. I'm just trying to figure out why they are so late to the party on everything. The deep ball. We been, how long have we been talking about the deep ball on this show? How long, Jeff? How long have I been saying, you know what, just come on, start throwing the damn deep ball? Since we started recording again. And then finally, you know, eight games <laughs> in or whatever, like, yeah, we're going to throw a deep ball. We had some success with that. You think? You're, all of your wide receivers are 6'3 or taller. You think you had success with the deep ball? I'm like, man, they, they lack common sense. They got, they're so smart, but they're so stupid. You know what I mean? Like, they, they're so smart, it almost makes them stupid at times because they lack common sense. They have so much book smarts and so much football smarts, they lack common sense. It's like, well, just give the – if you're on the goal line, give the ball to the 250-pound running back. Why would you – don't overthink it, coach. Like, you know what I mean? So much overthinking with the staff, it upsets me. That's all. That's all. But I, I do appreciate that sometimes it's common sense. Like with the kicking thing, your kicker sucks. So we're going to go for it on fourth down. There's common sense, but it's because it's Tom Herman, that's what he likes. He wanted to do that anyway. So that's, that kind of that, – that, that just basically affirmed his belief. But anything else, Tom Herman's like, nope, this is the way I like it. We're going to play all these wide receivers because they're all great. And he's like, no, they're all great. All right? And now Gerard Hurst playing quarterback now. And it's like, well, we've been telling you to do that since, uh, I don't know, week two, week one. All right, and he's just decided to do that. It's like, yeah, but now it's uh, it's a necessity. Okay, I'm just uh, the common sense, the lack of common sense with the staff. It drives me insane. That's all. But I said at any time, and the offensive line sucks and all that. But I'm just saying that they, they lack common sense at times with some of their decisions. That's all. No, it's 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you 100, percent right? I've I've said the same the same things that that you're saying. You know, going back to the TCU game, it was just frustrating to just repeatedly, you know, Tom Herman talks about the definition of insanity all the time, and it's it's so frustrating just to see them do the same thing. And like you said, you know, the common sense approach would be you talked about it, Dan Neal, who has a weekly column on Horse247.com. Well, he's killing it. I love it. it. I love reading it all the time. It's, it's find the. There might only be two or three things you're good at. But do those things to the best of your ability. And if the other team's just good enough to stop it, then okay. But that's where my frustration is coming in, where I feel like you're still leaving a little meat on the bone. Yeah. I understand the frustrations and the the fact that your offensive line's beat up and you're not dynamic at this position, blah, 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 all that. I get it. I totally get it. I understand that Andrew Beck was the second coming of Mark Bavaro and Elijah Rodriguez was Anthony Munoz and you don't have those guys and whatever because Tom Herman talks about those two guys all the time. But you're not going out with your best punch, Rod, because it goes back to what you said. I don't think they've either realized or figured out what their best punch is. Yeah, and you can tell that by the personnel decisions. And – and it's a great point. You also, it's like the Wildcat, for, for instance. It's like the Wildcat, okay? Um, we talk about, he's like, well, we can't move Rod Hurd the Wildcat now because, you know, we know he's our actually backup quarterback, so we don't use By him the way, himself. this is where Rod's getting ready to have a Gerard Hurd no, no, rant. No, 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 Gerard Hurd rant coming. I've had too many of those. But, okay, so Gerard Hurd's the backup quarterback. I understand that. That is a rational, um, common sense approach to it. Why not use little Jordan Humphrey there? Who we've all seen at Wildcat has been more dynamic than anybody else in the Wildcat. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just, you know what I mean? I'm just sitting. It's, it's almost like, the, remember the trick plays where he's got um, Lil' Jordan Humphrey throwing the wide receiver pass versus Baylor? It's like, well, you have two wide receivers who are former quarterbacks. One actually played quarterback last year. Why wouldn't you let those guys who do the wide receiver, wide receiver, common sense? It's killing me, dude. I'm like, and, and these are plays that they are scripting like, hey, let's run this play at this time with this guy. And they're still screwing it up. Yeah. That's why they're really bad at game planning because they don't know their personnel really well. Tyler Lando's the exact opposite. He's the, he's the, you know, he knows his personnel to a T. He knows them. He's gotten to know them so well, almost intimately at this point. And get and, and now going down his, down the roster to try to get more guys and get to know those guys. So for Tom Herman, that's that like the Wildcat. You could have ran Lou Jordan Humphrey in the Wildcat, man, Lou, and you are mismanaging Lou Jordan Humphrey. We've been telling you this also for six weeks. Why do you move him around? Why are you guys in one spot? Why, did why, it, you, why did it take you until game eight to realize that Tennille Carter and Danny Young were your two best tailbacks? I, that's also I, – that's another, another question. I don't figure – I don't figure – I haven't You know what I think hurts, Rod? Like I said, common sense. I, common sense. You know what I think hurts, honestly? This is what I think hurts. You look at the combined numbers of – and I know the defensive staff, you can do it. Nah, well, you know, Oscar Giles has experience, whatever. Look at the combined numbers of FBS coaching experience on that offensive staff. Add the numbers up. It ain't that much. Good point. And Power Five experience. Well, even it, it, it definitely ain't well, that Tom much. Well, Tom Herman's the prime example, right? He's only been coaching for what four years as a head coach. Mm. This is this is year three. This is year three. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> three years. So you know, so he's still learning on the job to a certain extent. So I, I will, I, I will, there's some leeway there. My, I'm, I'm not talking about the coaching decisions or the play calling. I'm not getting all that, man, because you know what? That is something that they are doing behind the scenes that, you know what? I don't really know the subtle nuances of that. I don't know when Tom Herman's saying, that's a terrible play call. Do not call that play. Because he admitted, mm-hmm. I do that at times. I go, you know what? That's a terrible play call. Don't call that play. Call this play. So he admitted that he's checking those plays. My point is, Jeff, some of this stuff, man, dude, 
It's common sense. My girlfriend's calling it out during games. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, it ain't even it ain't even complicated. I guess I was maybe trying to give the staff the benefit. Of no, that. it's like somebody's yeah. like what? Like I said, the, the the trick plays versus Baylor. Like you said, how did it take you so long to come with Tennille Carter and Daniel Young? Like the Wildcat. The, why do let little Jordan Humphrey run it? The way you're using little Jordan Humphrey. The the quick game, the screen game, the the deep pass. It's like, it's like I can't. It's it's exhausting to listen to Tom Herman in those post game press conferences talk about well. Only so much we can do. Well, you know what I did figure out? We should use quick game. It's like, you know, you, week eight. You mentioned the Gerard Hurd thing, and I was sitting next to two of my colleagues. Also the, common sense at before next, the season. Next to two of my colleagues in the press box who actually were saying, why don't you put Gerard Hurd in a quarterback? Just try to change something on offense. And, Matt, you got a dumb butt ready? Oh. My exact quote was, why? So he could come in for one play, run some bullshit sweep, and then go back to the sideline? Exactly. So you won't pass and, at all? And no joke. One series later, what happens? Gerard Hurd came in for one play. It was an off-tackle run, and they went right back out of the game. Can we mix it up? Can we get a RPO with Gerard Hurd? What about the RPO with Gerard Hurd? That'd be great because teams are thinking he's going to run. I don't think Gerard Hurd at quarterback is the answer. My point is, what makes anybody think this offense is going to get any better? What makes anybody think it's going to change? And, like, and as I said earlier, what makes anybody think this thing is going to be drastically better next year? I'm just I'm, with no yeah. Connor Williams. No, I'm with you. I, I I agree with you. I'm just my thing is I just want to see the common sense things done. I, I don't want to. I'm not critiquing your play calling and all that kind of stuff. Your culture uh, building that's on you, but the, the simple stuff on the field, dude. Yeah. You, some of that stuff is inexcusable. Though, next year. Some, some of that stuff on offense is inexcusable, man. Your personnel decisions are not. Some you know, he got asked on Monday, does simplifying things make things too bland for the opponent? Well, at this point, it really doesn't matter. Y- yeah. You, you got to determine whether, you know, you know, you can be, you've got to be outside the box, yet you've got to be very simple with the things that you do. Yeah, it's true. You have to strike a balance. You got to figure out what you do well. Yeah. I agree with that. I don't, and at this point, I know what they do well. They don't. Everybody does, Rod. So because it ain't much. It ain't a long no. list. It ain't like I'm, <laughs> I got to go down a list like, you know what I mean? You're Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. No, it's a short list about what you're good at. You've executed screens really well. Why? Because you're letting all, you're letting D linemen run right past you anyway. So who gives a damn? Now you just said aggressiveness against yeah, them. Now I just fake it. Exactly. Um, I've seen you use running backs in the passing game really well. Okay. You know what? Let's start Danny working. Danny made a hell of a catch, by the way. On yeah, that it was one, a great the, catch. On that deep it ball. was. The running. Well, and Chris well, Warren, too. It seems too. like they've been doing a lot of the screens. Chris Warren made it good. Yeah, running backs in the past. Let's go down the list. Let's go down the short list. Let's go down the short list really quick, okay? So running backs in the passing game, they use really well. They've also used the screen game really well. So running backs, period, as pass catchers in his offense, work really well, which is really good considering you're getting shut down because they're dropping eight. And you can have those late leakers out. You can run those swing passes. You can run those, you know what I mean, different cuts by the running backs. We're big fans of the delayed release. I love the delayed release. Mm -hmm. All right, so that's number number one. How about the deep ball? It worked today. It's worked well for this team, the deep ball, throwing it deep because you got 6'3 or taller receivers up against these small DBs. And those guys, sometimes there were two defensive backs around them, and they still made a play. Hell, draw a P.I., they get you 15 yards. Those guys are just, they're good at that because they're better athletes because you're freaking Texas, okay? So the deep ball working. How about the short passing game? We talked about it after Kansas State. The short passing game worked really well because they were just dumping it off within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, and, a, and the wide receivers are really good at the yards after the catch. So try to employ more of that. You want to run the Wildcat, you can't because you ain't got 
Gerard Hurd and you only got two quarterbacks, two scholarship quarterbacks, which is also your freaking fault, okay? You only got three, two scholarship quarterbacks because you chose to have two scholarship quarterbacks. Yep. You got three of them on the he roster, doesn't like but Hurd. you chose to have two scholarship quarterbacks. By the way, you could have had three. You only chose to have two. And by the way, you ended up having that guy that you wanted to play wide receiver playing quarterback anyway because you lack common sense. You know what I mean? Okay? So that's number two. So how about Lil Jordan Humphrey, who was great running the Wildcat? He's played every position. He's played tight end, played wide receiver, played split, played um, in the slot. So how about you let that guy move him around and get him matched up on a linebacker, get him matched up on a safety, because that's a mismatch for that guy any day, all day, every Sunday. And I'm just going through the list of stuff. I mean, there's, there's other things that we can employ too, but that's like four or five things right there. Four and, or five things right And I right think there. they've done those things a good no, amount. No, no, they've done, they've done them separately. Man, I haven't yeah. seen all those things in one game yet. True. They, it's, always, it's always like, well, the, the game, game plan, this worked against that team. No, 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 no. You can dictate the tempo. You can actually employ more than one of those uh, types of, you know, uh, uh, components each game. But they don't. Every game is a different thing I see from the office. I'm like, oh. That was pretty cool. That Agreed, worked. totally. Week. And when you look at it, I think that may also lend itself to uh, let us interpret wh- how they feel about their players exactly because I think that in these situations, they aren't – because sometimes if you're confident in your guys, you really don't care what the opponents are running. You're going to go out there and run your stuff and beat them because you're going to out-execute them. But say like when – a good example is watching Green Bay last night when your whole offense you don't have confidence in, you aren't going to go out there and then you're going to now be reacting to what the defense shows you – and it's a totally different way to be offense. You're actually, in theory, becoming defensive on offense. And that's where I think this team is, is not being confident in the offense, looking across the way and just trying to find a way to not be beat by the opponent instead of actually going out and beating the defense. That might be something that they get to in the next couple of years. But as of right now, I just see a coaching staff that isn't that confident that they can go out there and beat the opponent. Therefore, they have to go and scheme and see ways that they can maybe exploit some areas of the defense to move the ball, and that's just going to end up being a pretty ugly offense in the short term. Rod, you know what you described? You described an air raid offense. Which is, and, and why did the air raid come about? Because basically they didn't have their talent to beat teams. So like, beat honestly, them schematically. Yeah, there you go. If you widen out the splits of this offensive line, you're basically running an air raid offense. And what did TCU do to attack Texas early on? Attack the perimeter of that defense. That's all they did. Which, they didn't go. They didn't no, attack the I, I part thought, of it. I thought it was a good call. Sonny Cumbie had a group. Sonny Cumbie's first 15 or 20 players, go watch them. That's how they got up on Texas 17-0. And after that, Todd Orlando actually won the chess match between yeah. Sonny Cumbie and Todd Orlando. It was only after they went up 17-0. But those game, that game plan scripted 15 plays, Jeff, go look at it. It was yeah. magnificent. It was magnificent. Because every every <laughs> perimeter screen before they got up 17-0, every perimeter screen mm. they ran, mm. they had numbers, right? Yeah, they had and motion, that's what, motion and that's what yeah. That's what aggravates me about this, the Texas offensive staff running the bubble. To them, the bubble in the perimeter screen is just a play. The bubble something that it, it's it's a supplement to something else. Yes, it's not a it's, play it's all by itself. It's an extension of the running game. So just like you would attack the running game, if you're going to attack a certain part of that defense, that's what you use the bubble for. And like you said, the numbers game. So you need to take players from the left. If you're going to run to the right side, you need to find a way through pre-snap motions and shift funk, as Brian Harson called it, and I love that term, to get numbers either because you're pulling guys or because you're motioning guys, and TCU did a lot of it. They would motion Shinnehy a guy to that better than anybody. Motion that guy to that play side, quick dump off. It almost works like a sweep. Yeah, sweep play. So it's off tackle. So it works like you know what I mean. Like it's, it's, it's 
I don't get paid enough money to do it, but I guarantee you they're overpaid for it because they ain't doing it. On offense side, they ain't doing a damn thing. They might as well give that money to Todd Orlando. It's frustrating (laughs) because, well, you know, I I think this goes back to, you know, and I'm not saying that that Tom Herman's system isn't going to work because I think long-term if you get the correct pieces, it's proven it. It will work. No question. But right now I think simpler would be better, and I know – you know, sophisticated coaches look down their nose at the air raid and, and the offenses that have spawned from the air raid as well. It's offense for dummies. Yeah. But at this level where it's like, all right, um, there's nine guys in the box. I've got two over one. I got uh, I got twins over here with one corner. Hell, I'm throwing the bubble. And I'm going to count on my one guy to block that one guy. My other guy to go up the sideline. My guy wins. down to math. Get a one-on-one. Exactly, man. It's simple math. If you aren't playing that game now, you aren't going to win at football. I mean, that's just Mm. basic. If you view what you were just saying that a lot of coaches think that that's just a niche, it's like, yeah, and it's going to be exploited till the end of time if you allow it. Yeah. So, I I don't know, man. It's just frustrating to watch this offense. But let's talk about the defense against TCU real quick because, Rod, other than the – and the penalties really is what killed Texas on the first drive TCU had with the – uh, the Brandon yeah. Jones face mask. Let me the Houghton Hill here. late hit. That was two yeah. unsportsmanlike yeah. conduct penalties. That gave them free yards. And, of course, the trick play, the wide yeah, receiver. When I was watching it, I was like, it was a bummer and, that yeah. those things happened, but I was happy that our team is playing. Like, in Oklahoma, those things weren't penalties. They were penalties in that game, and if you're playing through that whistle. Now, you learn early on that, okay, I'm not going to play through that w- sideline white on that first drive, and we didn't see those mistakes continuing. But now, in the first drive, I would like to see that from a team to at least gauge what the officials are going to let you get away with for the next 60 minutes because it can. that's the definition of setting tempo to see Agreed. what's going to happen point. there. They, they And they did adjust. I will say this about the defense. Unfortunately, because of the ineptitude of the offense and because your special teams is 50-50, basically, uh, you know, you can flip a coin because Michael Dixon, best punt in the country in my opinion, he averaged over 50 yards per punt. Again, you know, had Breaking a 76-yard punt. He's unbelievable. Uh, I believe he's ranked like and getting se- tackles down the he got tackle. <laughs> I believe he's ranked like second in the country now. But I think after this game, he may end up uh, taking over the ranking as he's number one. Win the red guy, um, I show. definitely. But if you you know, that. so that makes especially a fifty fifty shot because Josh Rowland, he's just not very good at field goal kicking. So special teams is a toss up. You're definitely going to win most of the time the defensive battle. But against TCU, you're not. Because they're the, they're the best defensive team in the Big 12, and you're yeah. second best defensive team. Right. And so the defense has to be perfect for Texas to win games. And I count I, I saw the mistakes. Here are the, t- here are the scoring drives. On that first TD, you talked about it. Two penalties, Brandon Jones, Houghton Hill. And that fourth and two, even though Texas is second best fourth down defense in the country, that's, hey, those three plays, your margin for error is slim and minuscule, Oh, man, brother. if Chris Nelson's hand would have exactly. been like a, just a that's, quarter inch exactly. further up in the air, that's, a, that's an incomplete pass. That's your margin for error as a defense. Right there. That, yeah. that play in a nutshell, that's your, that's your margin for error. Game and then of the, the second scoring drive, I believe, uh, remember, this is where we talked about mobile quarterbacks against this Tyler Leonard defense. Uh, only the only kryptonite or Achilles Hill of this defense. That's why Maryland was able to beat him. That's why Baker Mayfield, his escapability. Kenny Hill didn't have a lot of rushing yards, but he had really key rushing yards. He had a big 13-yard run on that second touchdown drive, I believe, uh, to get them a first down. And then remember, Malik leaves the field. Malik yeah. Jefferson leaves the field because he's got the bubble guts or something going on. He goes to the tent. And what does TCU do? Sonny Cumby, great OC. What does he do? Go after Picks up the pace because he doesn't want Malik back in that game. He's like, no, I don't want him coming back in that game. He picks up the pace and they start running the football. They run it right actually where Malik is going, right up the gut, right there at Gary Johnson and company, and they score another touchdown. 
that's just great. That's just great coaching. Mm-hmm. And that's just Texas having a little small margin of error. How about the field goal drive? Remember the field goal drive? Third and 17. This is the play. Yep, you remember it? I can see Joe's face. Third and 17. Kenny, Kenny Hill the, does his best Kenny Trill impersonation, and he has a 27-yard run. That's it in a nutshell. They get a field goal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then and then the last drive to seal it, there's a fourth and one. And Texas gives up the fourth and one, but Brandon Jones comes in for the tackle. Bad angle ends up literally on his butt. Right? Because he shook out of his shoes and boom, that's a touchdown. They also let TCU convert a third and eight on that drive with a 25-yard completion. Plays like this, usually this I got seven plays here, I think, total. Yeah. And that's that was the only bad seven plays for Texas in that game. Uh, defensively, mm-hmm. and that ended up being the game because they have to be perfect, Jeff. They got no support at all. Right. Yeah, and against good teams, exactly. Because we it's were tough. talking about how, uh, you know, there were some That's why they're only four holes. versus ranked teams, even exactly. though the defense has played really well because it doesn't matter. They got no support at all. And it shows that maybe a little bit of improvement that they maybe weren't the huge broken play glaring holes that we saw in the losses like to USC, USC to OU, point. to Oklahoma State. So at least that process in That's the right point. direction yet still worrisome because it just shows that your ceiling uh, you just aren't going to be there this year you're almost reaching your ceiling in all of these games yeah. against though in those top 25 opponents yet you're 0 and 4 yeah you're right so uh i guess we'll go ahead and move on to kansas and we'll pick it up with the offense because rod here's my kansas. thing with the offense you've we've basically if, if you're looking for a silver lining on offense are you ready texas fans if you're looking for the silver lining on offense yeah, the good news of the day here give it, it to me this offense, we've seen it be as bad as it's going to get because you've already played the best defense you're going to play all year. That's true. You've already played the mo- all the ranked teams you're going to play all year. They're all out of the way. So here it is. Basically, Tom Herman can hit the reset button, right? The, the Sunday meetings when they got back from Fort Worth, hit the reset button. Okay, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, SC, boom, already off the schedule. We just played one of the best defenses in the country. And you're gonna play the, the worst least, de- and you play the worst defense in the big Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you're getting who are you getting ready to play? You're getting ready to play Kansas. Yeah. You're getting ready to play Texas Tech, who you should be able to move the ball on. And you're getting ready to play West Virginia Morgantown. Good, not great defense, and I don't know what their confidence level is right mm-hmm. now. They just did beat Iowa State. They're, yeah. So West Virginia's the helter skelter. They've been this way since they joined the league. Much better at home than they are in a row. They'll yeah. show up against us. They will. So you have three games now, Rod, where you have no more excuses. You know what you've got. You know who you are. You know what you are. Now do they? A, now, they should. They well, should. But I don't think we do. <laughs> and I think there going to be plenty of ex- yeah. not excuses, yeah. explanations as do to why they? you don't play well. We don't have an offensive line. You've got a bevy of freshmen. Know you don't are. even know if we have a quarterback that's healthy. Yeah. Like that. I don't know if they know who they are. I, I, so Virginia. I would challenge that. It would be nice yeah. to know. I wish I don't think we they would know. know. I don't think they know, Jeff. What are they? That's the, that's the, that, that, then, that in, in itself is good. a conundrum. They have a defense. They, they don't know who they are offensive. They have yeah. no idea. They are a show about nothing. Every week it changes. <sighs> So you're right. That's why a different receiver every week is the guy. A different running back every week is a guy. Hell, they've had nine different offensive lines. So we'll they've had year. nine different offensive line combinations, Jeff. Jeff, the the quarterbacks have literally split all the games so far this year. Jeff, they don't know who they are. Okay. That is why, even though you're better than two of the three teams you're gonna face, there are no guaranteed wins on I this schedule it. left, brother. I get it. But for this offense, these last three games are basically the first three games of next year. You're basically I would like that. I like that. Right I like that. You're basically starting 2018 right I, I like that take. So, and Tom Tom Herman, whether he whether you know, and he left himself some Except wiggle room. Coaching for this year, but he basically <laughs> laid it on the table in his Monday press conference. 
not firing anybody. I'm bringing everybody back. He did say that. Yes, he did say that. So now what you're telling me is, okay, you know. Thank God. What I meant by you know who you are, you know what this offensive line is. They're not going to get better overnight. Mm -mm. They're as good as they're going to get. Exactly. So what are you going to do as an offensive staff now that you've you don't have any excuses of you know what your you know what your personnel is you know the defense is you're facing now what are you going to do to put a better product on the field because I get you not putting a good product on the field against TCU I yeah. can understand that to no an question. extent it's could TCU. it could it have been better we picked the part ways where yes it could have been better but it was never going to be good there was a ceiling mm-hmm. against Kansas and against Texas Tech and even against West Virginia the ceiling and the bar is going to be higher than it has been for these last few games so are you going to reach it or are you going to inspire zero confidence in your ability as a staff to make something out of nothing and put a competent product on the field for these last few games. No, I agree with you on that because, and this is what this is the challenge for them. And I, I wonder how much Tom Herman is going to try to, um, you know, try to be the on um, the catalyst in. You know, they they he's admitted this is a collaborative effort. They're play calling like mm-hmm. the buck stops with Tom Herman. Everybody can complain about Tim Beck all they want, and yeah. has Tim Beck and done now a great Drew Barringer's in the booth. I right, guess, has Tim Beck done a good job? Probably not. But it's it's just like we talked about two years ago with the Vance Bedford fire Vance. Why would Charlie fire Vance? Because we fire his Vance, he's basically firing himself. Because he's got he's on well, hot seat. And also, as soon as you fire Vance, you're on. It's hot just like seat. we talked about the minute the minute Tom Herman puts himself in the position where he's the play caller or yeah. whatever. Then if it goes bad, then you have no more. Excuse. It's like Bill Very O'Brien. True. Bill O'Brien made a great decision when he decided to become the play caller for the Texans this year. And and fortunately enough for him, Deshaun Watson has one of the greatest rookie seasons at least until before he gets hurt that we've ever seen. And now it's like, well. He, he may be a great play caller. Maybe he sucks. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know because he got a great talent. And that's the same thing with Tim Beck and like Tom Herman, this crew. When Sam Elling is in there, you see Tim Beck's like, yeah, this is, this is my offense. And when it's not, then I think he gets all the, the criticism for it. Yeah. You want that buffer if you're a head coach and between Herman, you and accountability. Talking about his offense, too, you know, he's a guy that talks so much about the continuity. So I think, you know, with Beck, that's the main thing is him being like, no. Yeah, th- this is more than a one-year decision. I came here for the long term and understanding that we have this horror. It's basically the Charlie Weiss offense. You see that pile of crap out there? It's like, he's going to change it. I don't this. necessarily buy the continuity argument, though, Rod. Really? Because well, what? because Man, the, no. that's crazy, though. Like, did you hear some of the numbers that, like, just looking at? I understand. The, okay, I, the amount I, of can I, can assistance. I yes, can yes, I finish? of course. Of yeah. Course. Can I finish? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <clears throat> because go back to 2014. We all knew Sean Watson wasn't the answer. This is true. And Charlie wrote it out, and then we had to find out against that Notre Dame. Yeah, you didn't change anything offensively. It's still garbage, and you have to change play callers. And basically now you've wasted two years. Yeah. And everybody draws a comparison. The comparison that gets drawn between Tom Herman's first year at Texas, where it looks like it's going, is when Nick Saban went 6-6 six and six his first year at Alabama. Right. And Nick Saban changed offensive coordinators after that first year, too. Yeah, he did. He learned his lesson. So yep. I understand continuity. I also understand, hey, it's okay if something doesn't work. It's it's you're you're, you're yep. admitting you made a bad hire. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, True. great coaches have made bad hires. Plan. Bill Belichick's mm. made bad hires. Yep. Bill Parcells has made and bad if he hires. Admits that he exactly. does. Everybody then made that bad hires. Bad. If Tom Herman admits he made mm. a bad hire, nobody's gonna fault him for that. No. Yeah, I think long, though yeah. he just doesn't think he has, and I think that the evidence on Pride. the field shows Pride. Also, because there well, was also, there, there was nothing. Think, and that's here's my other argument: continuity. There was there's nothing in Tim Beck's background that suggests. Tim Beck is some sort of offensive genius. No. Or offensive guru. No. Nothing. He's just a body. He, he's just a guy. 
If Tom, He's a Herman, if Tom Herman went out and found somebody, found another play caller that vibed with him on a different level that maybe he's worked with before or that's been in an offense similar to what he's doing. Yeah. Like Tim, Be- Tim Beck basically got fired six games into his tenure at Ohio State because, remember, Ohio State, his first year, they had the game mm-hmm. where Ezekiel Elliott had, what, like six carries against Michigan State, right. and they lost. And Urban Meyer's like, yeah, this ain't going to work, and you ain't calling the plays by yourself no more. It's going to be – It's going to be a – right yeah, I'll take over now. this. Right. right. So and there's another great Urban Myers made bad hires. I just talked about Nick Saban. Great football coaches, championship football coaches have made bad hires before. Yep. Yeah. If Tom Herman fired Tim Beck tomorrow, I don't think there'd be a Texas fan about well continuity should should have kept the same staff. No, I yeah. think it'd be like yeah, all right, definitely not. He's changing it up. So I don't necessarily buy the continuity argument. I know the mm-hmm. numbers are what they are. I've been through, I've lived through and covered all of it. Trust me, I know how bad it is. Yeah, I know that I know the aesthetics, how bad it looks. Yeah, it's bad. But I don't think if Tom Herman got rid of Tim Beck, I don't think he's gonna get rid of his whole offensive staff. And like people are arguing about Derek Wareheim. I don't know how you can grade Derek Wareheim this year based on the offensive line injuries exactly you've had. What I'm no, saying. you can't. That's the one thing I'll say about the offensive line situation. Yeah, you can't do that. There you go. And that's what, exactly what I'm saying, that, like, we hire a coach to get a coach, and we think it's the best. Tom Herman, like, we got the Mensa dude. We got exactly who we wanted. We handpicked it, and he, we get this smart guy to assemble his staff. I w- it makes sense to have him at least see more than year one. No, I agree. With, no, yeah, no, so that, that's I, just where I'm just with continuity. But, it just makes sense that I don't even think there is a right answer. I don't think there – it's not binary. It isn't that you have to choose one. It's just being like, oh, okay, well, let's at least give him a chance to see what he does. It, 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 it's it, it, there is right a – I agree with you. There is – essentially there is a preference basically for Tom Herman um, in terms of if he wants to stay with Tim Beck or he wants to try to move on. But there is a better choice that can be made. I think a lot of Lohan fans would argue, and maybe Jeff, that's what he's arguing, that if you do move on and decide to disrupt the continuity just a little bit, yeah. that there's a better fit for your model, right. for your blueprint, the, that Tim Beck is. is not the best fit for this. And I think we've seen that on the football field. Whoever period. the play callers, yeah. whoever it, the Through eight, these eight games, yes. I'm just saying that I guess I'm not going to be ready to define no, no, the I, future based on these eight games. Totally understand. And I would say just as a rule of thumb, normally – Two years with the staff would be about right to get a good Agreed. sample size on it. So I just, I mean, who knows? He may be fired game two next year, and he's horrible, and that would be a horrible situation. I don't want Texas to be in it. I just don't know if there's enough evidence to even support the theory of should he be out after this I, first year. I would say that right now you keep him because you don't have a better choice. Exactly. Like, I don't understand just kind of going to the offseason like, hell, you know, guns are blazing, he's got to go, yeah. and then you don't even have a plan in place. Now, if there's somebody out there who right. is just the apple of your eye, right. and you've been eyeing them for a while, you've done your research, and you know you'd vibe with that person, if that's Tom Herman, then I'd go, you know what, man, we're upgrading. And it I ain't think you. results it ain't is going to outweigh yeah. loyalty with him. Like I think Herman would still do that, yeah. too, like if it he ain't, had it there. It ain't about that person. It's about results, and it's about us upgrading. We want the best available. Yes. But if they don't have another choice, if you can't go get somebody who has actually proven themselves like you said, who is an offensive kind of a savant, and we've kind of seen their production, then, yeah, I mean, you stick with you stick with the continuity. You side with the continuity if you can't have anybody better. There's not an upgrade. Because whoever the play caller is, it's still going to be Tom Herman's it's offense. It's Tom Herman's offense. Yep. So, I mean, to me, according to Herman, it will be Tom Be- Tim Beck's offense next year, too. To me, whether it's Tim Beck or Drew Maringer or whoever, whoever I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you you know, like Corby Meekins call plays, to me, it doesn't matter. I wonder if at, in, the, in the end it'll come down to until he finds his guy, Tom Herman, calling his own damn plays. 
Yeah. In the Big 12, I, it happens. It, it, it's no, not a lot of conferences where it doesn't happen. It Jared happens Patterson's, more in the Big 12. Jared his own defensive coordinator. Yeah, example. in the Big 12, it happens. Does Lincoln Riley call his own plays? Lincoln Riley does call his own plays. Uh, does Dana Hogerson call his own plays? Dana, not anymore, no. Not anymore, he used to. Yeah. Does uh, Cliffy? Cliff did, yes. You know what I mean? Like, it happens more in the Big 12 than it does. Yeah. I don't know why. Probably because of Offensive the minds. I mean, Andy yeah. Reid, it took forever for him to not call yeah. a place. It happens more in the Big 12. So, I listen, until you find your person that vibes with you, because I agree, until you find your next major Applewhite, because that's who he's looking for. He's yeah. looking for his next major. Major's his guy. What, I, like, think, what, what I, I mean? think Tom Herman has to do, and – I'm not saying his offense can't work or won't work because it's proven to be a good, a good No, system. it's a good philosophical. I, I love think it. Tom Herman has to do, this is my opinion, I'm not saying I'm right, I'm saying this is what I think he's got to do, is do what Mike Gundy did. Find somebody that believes conceptually and yeah. stylistically <clears throat> in the same type of football you do. Good point. Who can put their spin on what you do and advance it a little bit. Like yeah. every play caller Gundy's had – you know, like that. Holgerson brought the air raid element. Monty and, Dines. you know, Larry Fedora brought this. And, yeah. Mike, you know, Todd Monken brought this. And Mike Urich has brought this. Just kind of add on to it. And just basically, you're trusting him with your system. Say, hey, kind of take this and put your own spin on it. Because conceptually, we've, we value we, the same yeah. thing. We got the same tip poles. Yeah. I think you can make this maybe a little more modern or a little stylistically, maybe use it to our advantage a little a bit, maybe add personnel. some creativity, some do some different things with personnel. Packages. I agree with that. I think, I think Tom Herman's got to get outside of the box a little bit. I agree with you on this. I think he. I, I think you just hit it on the head, too. And I don't know where you find those guys. I don't know. You know, hopefully all coaches have like a little Rolodex, like a little right. list. If I'm a coach, I keep a list of guys that I meet, that I hang out with, like like that guy, me and that guy conceptually. We think on the same levels. I need to come in and get to know him a little bit better, that kind of thing. And I'm sure he does have that list, but I agree. I think you – and I'm glad – I like your example. Mike Gundy has done a great job yeah. of that. Because it's hard to entrust your baby, your offensive, you know, concept your mm-hmm. philosophy to anybody because you basically have to open up to that person and give them all your secrets and everything mm-hmm. and then trust that they're going to value the same things you do mm-hmm. but then like you said Operate. advance it evolve it yeah. all right or take he, it and evolve it they so have I to understand it the same way they have to interpret it the same way they i mean there's yeah. so many levels of it then it's like, like kind of what mathematicians do mm-hmm. you know what i mean Tom Herbert, these formulas and then they allow other mathematicians to help, help them come in and, and figure other it out. numbers help you figure yeah. out other the things other exactly. indicators. Is, is, tom Herbert to me is almost taking the art browse approach with his offense where there's just a certain number of people some of the people that know it and they're within the family structure but the family's not big enough yeah like Art Briles was Philip Montgomery and Randy Clements were with Art Briles long before yeah, he then the uh, Dino Babers and the uh, Dino Babers and came the along Sterling and Gilbert in. now Sterling Gilbert yeah kind of spread <clears throat> yeah spread it you out spread it there. out yeah so you're exactly um, right and then they started and they did their own spin yeah. on it and then you have different versions of but it it's like this, a, it becomes a treat this offense isn't uh, it isn't far enough developed to where you've got the different branches of the tree. But he just took an Urban Meyer guy is what he did. So right. we could just take that maybe he's just, and I agree with you, he needs his own tree because you're Texas football now. He took All a guy right? that Urban so if you go, to fire too. Yeah, so he kind of took somebody from Urban Meyer because maybe so many of his um, like so many of his values within conceptually within his offense fit Urban Meyer. So maybe that's his thing. Going to that Urban Meyer. Right, and even, you know, you can argue though, other than, you know, Tom Herman and Dan Mullen, really. I mean, Urban's offenses have kind of been stagnant a little bit. I mean, <laughs> Tom Herman and Dan Mullen were the guys. Tom that, Herman brought it back built, to life. That built, yeah, Urban yeah. hasn't Tom done really much did. without Tom, Tom Herman, really honestly. Tom Herman brought it back to life. Yeah, it, Look at yeah. Urban at Ohio State. Since Tom left, those offenses have underachieved. They and have. They overachieved with Herman, and 
Urban really without a Tebow or Herman. That's what you know. say. So you hoping Herman is not that because the major. I about the major thing. Major was almost perfect for yeah. Tom Herman's offense. Oh, look, it seemed that and way. I haven't looked at U of H's offense numbers, but look who Major hired. Major didn't stick with like the Tom Herman family. He went and hired Brian Johnson. Who was on Dan Mullen's staff at Mississippi State? It's still from that Urban Meyer Stephen tree. From Urban Dan Meyer Mullen tree. to Brian yeah. Johnson. Now yep. you're bringing these ideas. Yeah, different variations Brian of it. Younger. He's yeah. a Texas guy. Trust been at different places. Yeah. More innovative. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's kind of what Tom Herman has to do. I think he's got to take the Mike Gundy approach of who's somebody that is dynamic and creative in what they do, but yet I agree when you. it boils down to what I value as a football coach, they value the same things. They value a physical offensive line. They value a running game. They value uh, a dynamic presence at the quarterback position, which yeah. as much as I like Shane Bouchelle, Rod, you're a Shane Bouchelle fan. Shane I love Bouch- him. Shane Bouchelle is not that dynamic. No, he's a functional mobility guy. Position. That's all. And honestly, I mean – that's what all these pieces are, Herman, though, inside this offense are all see, pieces that were no, not chosen. This goes back to, to the point we were trying to make. They don't know who they are because Tom Herman still to this day says, I don't need a dynamic presence at quarterback. You do. Running, you know what I mean? Yeah. He says that. Now, whether he's just lying to us or, he, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he actually believes that or not, it's not a lie if you believe it. That goes back to do you know yourself? Because if you know yourself, then he doesn't because Gerard Hurd should have been – if he truly believed – uh, if he if he believes that he I think he does because he's he's acting like he believes he does not need a dynamic running presence at quarterback. I think he should kind of flip that because I think if you know who you are, then you move Gerard Hurd to quarterback as soon as you get here and go. Nope, I like the dynamic presence of a running guy at quarterback. So they don't know who they are, Jeff. But go, you they don't know, know who they are. To, he doesn't know who he is offensively. To the point about the dynamic quarterback. Remember last year Arizona was terrible. Like Rich Rodriguez is a pretty yeah. innovative offensive guy. Nice Arizona was take. terrible last year. Yeah. And look at what Khalil Tate's done. And it took Rich Rod a yeah. while to get it, but after a while he's like, F it. I'm just going old school. It's like my Pat White, Steve Slayton offense. West, West Virginia, it. yeah. And I'm going to run my quarterback 40 I'm times. I'm going back grassroots. Yeah. I'm going bare bones, grassroots with it, baby. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. And it's kind of like they with Tom Herman. It's like, where's the grassroots, bare bones movement of this, of this offense? Like, look, we only got four or five things we can do. Watch us doing really, really well. Watch us, watch us game plan these. Watch us move, watch us move these DBs and linebackers around with a little pre-snap movement and shifts and be able to. I haven't seen any of that. You know, like that innovation. Uh, and granted, the personnel is a lot different. But go back to the Ohio State Sugar Bowl win over Alabama the year they won the national championship. There was a series where Ohio State ran a split zone play, but they ran it out of like they ran it five times out of five different formations and five different looks. That's that's essentially that's all football is, man. You just different dressing. It's the same damn thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just going to dress it up a different way. And that, I'm not saying, my point is, I'm not He'd saying any of that. He'd be doing that if he had yeah. that here. I'm not seeing enough of that. But maybe the point is, the piece without, is an, the without an offensive line, I think the point he's trying to make, but I disagree with it, you can't do anything. He's basically saying, I, without an offensive line, I am destitute. I am... It's like it's like trying to drive a car without without with bald bad tires. You know, what I mean, it's like a it's like a band without a drum line. It, it well, you know, what I mean? that's this. what he's trying to say. Was the 2009 Texas offensive line a great offensive line? No, it was, no, it but was it almost lost. Bad. It, it was, was insane. Cole was so good. But that's a great example of how a horde offensive line can literally screw everything up. Like how bad it could be. You could have the most, the best quarterback wide receiver combo the sports ever seen that was unstoppable. Yet offensive line basically almost compromised the entire thing. Yeah, they got to the national title. So I know, but that's what I'm saying though. An offensive line, it's so undervalued. I mean, look at your boy Shanahan in San, in San Fran. You see, it isn't that Shanahan doesn't know offense. Amazing offense. 
best numbers you've ever but, seen from guys in Atlanta. Point, Shift over to San Fran when you have no offensive line. Just target looking at the I end of the like, It is so huge. But I will also, never get off that. But also a quarterback can uh, reduce the margin for error or mitigate the Agreed. margin for error. Look Agreed. at Deshaun Watson with the Houston Texas offensive line. It's horrible. They got rid of Dwayne Brown as soon as he came and traded him away. So bad. And the Seattle Seahawks, same thing with Russell Wilson. So a, a good quarterback – can mitigate Agreed. those. We saw that with Sam Ellinger. Right. Yep. And, and, and how and right well how well as an offensive staff can you mask your deficiencies? And that Sam Ellinger is the only way you can do that. Sam Ellinger is the only thing that masks the deficiencies of this offense. Yep. Other than that, they got no shot yeah. because Shane Bouchelle needs the framework and the construct. He needs the offense to work within. He can't work outside of it. And Sam Ellinger, he is outside the box. There's no, You don't want him in the box. You want, he does his best work outside the box. And outside the framework of the offense. Let's talk about Texas and Kansas. We've been trying to talk about the offense, but I, I, I'll go back to what I was saying initially. Well, yeah, it was the same thing. Initially with this offense. <laughs> Rod, if they win these three games and the offense looks competent, the tone we're talking about this football team is totally different. Agreed. After the Texas Tech game than it is right now because at that point, you're 7-5. and five, you got a chance to get you to eight wins with a bowl game. And getting to eight wins with with this team the way it is, then you'd have to say Tom Herman did a hell of a job. That would mean four straight wins. That, yeah, which, which I, I I can't see. I, I, I cannot see this team winning four straight games. But, Never. No, but, no, no, no. But what I'm what I'm harping on is the opportunity it is that this team and staff has to salvage something out of this season and build you momentum going into. If you can win three out of the next four, dude, that in my opinion, to me, that's a success. Yeah, it is a, it is a hugely successful season if you can win three out of the four. If you can win two out of the next well, four and then they make a bowl game because of that, then. You know what? That's successful. I, to me, success because we were 5-7 and seven last year and lost the And bowl, Kansas. literally the so bowl practice I, is going to help so much. I'm, I'm with you. I think exactly. That's something else, too, people want to talk about. It's the, the only reason why it's yeah, so big right now. the spring practice at the to end really of the year, hold basically. really back next year. But I think that is a, what Tom Herman's looking at now. Just try to get to six wins because that is a success for this team. Mm-hmm. Get them to a bowl game. I, I cannot believe that that is the expectation I have now. But if you can get them to a bowl game, I think you have a successful season. Considering the, the yeah, circumstances, I, I would agree. I would agree with yeah. that. Now, and then you have a chance for seven wins. And that right. means that Which you we, weren't far I, off from ten wins because uh, six and six with the four losses to the close games that you had to open the year. That's that different. The yeah. margins you talked about earlier. Yeah. Talk about from being a nine-win team it, to no bowl, just all in those four games. It's weird how the moral victories actually can actually pay off and benefit you if you get to seven wins. Yeah. Because yeah. then it's like. Damn, dude, you really are closer to 10 wins than you You are to seven wins. You know what I mean? You can see the – but if you don't make a bowl game, those moral victories, no, there ain't no more victories. That, that you suck. Possibility so those, that was an aberration. You, yep. you're not a good football right. team. That was an aberration. You're a, you're below five. You're a bad football team. Just like we were talking, we talked about all the time with Charlie. That's kind of exactly. that's the fine line. Yeah, and, and I think it's going to boil down to really. I mean, I, I I'd like to think Texas should beat Kansas, should beat Texas Tech. It really boils down to the difference between six and seven wins. It really boils down to what you do in Morgantown. Next weekend, it's uh well. That's assuming that we, you know, that they beat Texas Tech and teams they're better than. Yeah, um, right. and they have beaten teams they're better than, except for one. That's Maryland. 
Yeah, I mean, other than Maryland, they other than Maryland, won they every beaten the game team they were supposed to, to win and yeah. lost every And that's game the difference right now in kind of the season, right? I mean, yeah. think about if you had won that game, they'd be a totally different perception of this it team. It set them back so much. Even if they would we, come back to win that yeah, game. Yeah, because we started out with a negative perception of this team. Think about if we had started out with a positive perception. Like, ooh, man, this seems good. Almost it started beat. out with an upset. You know USC, what I mean? USC, no. That you. one win changed. Just what we talked about, the fabric of time. We first mm-hmm. started the show to bring it full circle. The fabric of time when we told you. I think they may actually pulled one of these upsets of these ranked teams if they had just beaten Maryland, a team they knew they were better than. You know what I mean? Because that's how much more confident they would have been going into that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they didn't, that changed everything. And it hurt their chance. Because now they, they beat Kansas, make a bowl game. If they win that road, Maryland game. That's all they would need. They'd make a, beat Kansas, make a bowl game. Then we're talking about, yeah, baby, team making a bowl game, baby. Now we got to go out and get that signature win versus West Virginia. No, now you're talking about, now you're desperate. Now you're a basket as well. Now everybody over there is, is tight. The buttholes are tight. Yes. Now they're puckering. Pucker, the pucker factor. Like, yeah, they're like, damn, man. Oh, the pucker factor Ooh, coming into play. I want to make a bowl game. Got to do it. Got to do it. You know what I mean? And I think that that hurts you in football. That doesn't help you. Oh, yeah. I mean, they play tight. Even I'm, I'm just two weeks ago, whenever. I'm glad you're a believer in the pucker factor. real, man. You're, real. you're at the three-yard line about to go in to beat Oklahoma State. Did yeah. you be bowl eligible my, this week? When I, oh, my God. Now no Ellen And that's why you're qu- ripped out. Your like qu- Indiana yeah. Jones style. Well, that's why your quarterback is big because your quarterback puckers up. It's like everybody puckers up, well, dude. And I always just say that about my boy Sims. I love Sims, but I, at times he would pucker up in those big games. And when you pucker up, dude, everybody puckers. That's why VY was great because VY yeah. didn't pucker, dude. He's VY relaxed. He's loose. He's like, I do this, I do that thing. And it hurts. By the way, speaking of Sam v- doesn't pucker. Shane puckers a little bit. Speaking of VY, I know you had a remote over at Vaqueros right down the street, which, by the way, my wife, I know Vaqueros is a big sponsor of yours now. Yeah. Right? Good uh, my people. wife and I had dinner at Vaqueros a couple weeks ago. It's, it's, it's awesome, good. right? I'm telling you, man, it's really good. You did a show with VY at Vaqueros. Yeah, man, we had fun. So, which, does that mean we're a step closer to getting VY on the Blitz? Uh, we are, actually. Yeah, he did tell me to hit him up, too. And I haven't, I, I haven't hit him up okay. since. But, yeah, we should. Because nice. he did say he's trying to do more stuff in the community and talk about the VY Foundation. So, yes, I will work on that. Can we talk about the live show right now or no? Are we mm-hmm. good with that? Or what? The lot going yeah, on? yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually, yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, so with that said about VY, before we get the picks and everything else, we're not going to go too in-depth about Kansas. I think this is all about Texas and not about Kansas. I think we can all agree on that. Yes, no Unless question. Unless we get a repeat of Lawrence, which in that yeah. case we're having a totally different show on Monday. Yes, yeah. But our, mon- our Monday show, it will be a Monday show yes, right. next week because we will be on location. That's right. We're going to be at Barton Creek Mall. I believe it is the... It's a, it's a sunglass place. I, I, I think I know the place, but I don't want to say the wrong place. When you walk in, yeah. When you walk in. So I will tweet it out. I'm at Rod Babers via Twitter, but I'll make sure, and Jeff Howe, of course, at Jeff Howe247, we will make sure that we tweet out the yes. actual location. But it will be in Barton Creek Mall, and we're going to do it during the day. I think it's going to be from 6 to 7. Correct. All right. All right. That is the time that we have. So from 6 to 7, we're going to do the show live in Barton Creek Mall. I'll give you more details in the exact location. It's going to be at one of the sun glass places and ricky williams is gonna be there yes that's having the big news yes that's it yeah i know it's not buried the lead <laughs> he's gonna bring williams will be there he's doing a kind of an appearance there at the sunglass store and then we're sunglasses store and we're gonna be there doing the the uh the remote broadcast of course for low blitz during that time period from six to seven so you can come out and see ricky williams and also come see us i, I, I yeah i should have the exact location but I have not been emailed that, I don't think. So the Blitz will be on the yeah. road. We're from no Barton Creek Mall from here at the studio. It's, what, five minutes from here? Yes, right down the road. 360, right there by Mopac. Right off 360. Before, if you if you get to Rudy's, you've gone too far. Uh, yes, oh, Mopac. Yeah. It's on Mopac. Yeah, Barton Creek Mall. You can't miss it. Yeah. yeah. 
No, there's. Well, as soon as we tweet out the uh, the Low link to the Longhorn Blitz, uh, we will tweet out also the location of it as well. All right, we will we'll hopefully that be talking about a Texas win over Kansas, a big win, hopefully a win where the offense does something of substance. I would hope so because Baylor put up 38 points against Kansas on the road in Lawrence. Kansas, I, man, I, the only thing, their athletic director thing, which they got going on over that's the only thing really saving David Beatty's job that might get him another year because, man, they have, you yeah. know, they looked competent at times last year, man. They have not looked competent at all. Yeah, it's, that's a t- I think we all agree that's a tough job, man. I got, yeah. <laughs> that Kansas job, is. A, I know Tom Herman thinks he's got a tough gig down Ooh. here with all the injuries. So, man, Kansas, hell, man, even Talk in their best privilege. years, yeah, it's hard, man, to coach football in Kansas. It's just tough. Yeah, you got to go to JUCO route. Right? I thought they were going to do that. Remember Charlie Weiss late in his tenure was saying he was going to try to build it but like it Bill Snyder much. did. It. Yeah, too much. Yeah, you might, exactly. You got to have the perfect mix of it. And I think we've all realized Charlie Weiss is not a very good football player. Hey, he called his team a pile of crap, a team that he was coaching. So. Yeah, and then that strategy, D1 Power 5 school strategy, get all JUCO guys. You know, That's going to win. I think my favorite line about Charlie Weiss, not him talking about his teams automatically have a schematic advantage. But I once heard Pat Dye in an interview after Will Muschamp hired Charlie Weiss as offensive coordinator at Florida. Which, by the way, did you guys see him rocking the South Carolina coaches shirt I today? I saw that, baby. I got this. Uh, I, had some, I, had some un- I had some Under Armour coupons I had to use, or they were going to expire, and I ended up getting this shirt for like four bucks. It's a nice coaches shirt. It is nice. Coaches got it for like four bucks at the Under Armour outlet. Um, anyway, I heard an interview with Pat Dye. I think it was on Paul Feinbaum, and he said Pat Dye said he happens to know Will Muschamp is a great and highly motivated football coach. But doesn't know, and I think I'll see if I can get the exact quote. He doesn't know how it's going to work when his offensive coordinator, who is three axe handles across his ass, is sitting over there on the cooler while the defense <laughs> is playing football. That's good stuff. That oh, is the first so time bad. in my life I've ever heard a fat person. I'm a big guy. I've had a lot of fat hey, jokes man. come away. I've never heard anybody refer to me as three axe handles across his ass. Three. I like that. I like that term. Yeah, it's like what's how Josh, Josh Gordon used to play football. <laughs> Come to find out, J- Josh Gordon used to take shots and drink and smoke weed before games, even uh, at Baylor in the NFL, and still led the NFL in receiving yards one year. Hey, how the hell? By you the way, that? Josh Gordon went to Houston Lamar. Former Lamar racer. There you go, boom. There you go, full circle, baby. Southside, H <laughs> <Eight> town, <laughs> city of syrup. Oh man, I wonder if Josh Gordon's pictures on the wall. Like Rod B's pictures on the oh, wall. Oh yeah, Josh Gordon's more. definitely on that wall. Okay. He was he was a beast. Oh, he, he, he led the NFL in receiving yards. He's done more than me. Yeah. I shouldn't be up there if Josh Gordon's not up there. Yeah. It's like the Rod B. Like it was like the, with the Reebok jersey and oh, the white man. socks. Yeah. Represent, baby. Yeah. Represent. All right, Matt. Oh, b- before we get to picks, one more thing I got to bring up. So that October 12, two thousand two weekend to bring it full circle. The other game against ranked teams that weekend. How about LSU and Florida was that weekend too? Oh, nice. In 2002? Yes. What? So you had LSU Florida. Hold on. What were they ranked? 18 and 16. Wow. So you had LSU Florida, Tennessee Georgia, Oklahoma Texas, Florida wow. State Miami, and Penn State Michigan. Oh, that was the greatest football weekend of the of the uh, the 20, 21st century. It really was. And those were good games. Michigan beats Penn State 27-24 in overtime. Uh, Miami beats Florida State on a missed field goal, 28-27. Georgia beats Tennessee, 18-13. Wow. And then two games that weren't close, uh, Oklahoma-Texas. Oh, got right. away late. Got oh, away late, Rod. Right. Got away late. Right. Even though day. in that 24, I was factoring was Rod B's pick six, and then LSU beat Florida, Son 36-7. But, Rod, if there is a silver lining in here, it's that LSU team to beat Florida. You guys smoked that LSU team in hey, the Cotton Bowl. I beat Nick Saban. 
Does it really? Yeah. Boom! Does it register that in your football career you have a win over a team with Will Muschamp and Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher on the coaching staff? No, it has not. But Actually, until Matt just mentioned it. But no. you, have a loss, <laughs> you have a loss to a team where Sean Watson was on the coaching staff. Oh! Uh, <laughs> Bo Pelini was on that staff, too. That hurt right there. The, the loss to Sean Watson hurts way more than the win versus uh, Nick Saban. Guaranteed. Any day, all day. That's great. <laughs> all right, Matt. We got picks. What we got? All right. Well, we're going to be all Big 12 this week. So, started off, Texas Tech, Baylor. Who you got? Texas Tech, Baylor? Yes. Neutral Texas Tech. Field. Texas oh. Tech. That's easy. I'm tempted to take Baylor. So, that means. Because, well, because the way Tech lost that K-State game, and I think they know Cliff Kingsbury's fate is sealed. But I- I'll count on the Red Raiders showing up. So, I- I'll-, I'll go ahead and take Tech. All right, then moving on to TCU OU. Who you got? In Norman. Man, I, I'll take TCU because oh. I, I think this TCU defense is, is really good. Um, I think it's going to look a lot like the Texas-Oklahoma game, and I think I'll, I'll count on Kenny Hill making a player too late. I, I will say this. I think Oklahoma is going to have a tough time stopping that TCU run game because I think TCU is supposed to have Patrick Morris, their center back in the lineup. Mm. Their offensive line is going to be yeah. a little bit better than what we've seen the last few weeks. Uh, I'll take TCU to go on the road and, and get that win. I'll take OU. Yeah, I'll take OU and yeah. to cover the six and a half. I wonder how much OU's got in the tank after that game in Bedlam. They I got think they do. They got plenty. Yeah. Baker's Baker got plenty. They're going to be trying well, this to is, get in that. This is play. where I try to make up a game on you guys, and I'll take, I'll take I'll TCU. I'll take the home favorite. Now, moving on, West Virginia, Kansas State. I got K-State. Who you got? This game is in Manhattan, yes, right? Sir. West Virginia. Yeah, give me, uh, I'll take give, West Virginia. Give me, give me K-State, man. I think K-State's found something with Skylar Thompson, at quarterback. Alex, Del- Alex Delton got Wally pipped pretty much. I mean, he was yeah. having a great game, got injured. Skylar Thompson takes him to the win. So, hey. Alex Delton, I think, just got Wally pipped. It's called life. Yes, moving on, Oklahoma State versus Iowa State. Who you got? Oak State. Oak State. Oak State. Yeah, exactly. Across the board. Then we don't even have to pick this next one. I think we all got <laughs> Texas, right? Yeah, we're Matt, hey, why don't, why don't we do a couple bonus games? Why don't we do a couple of these, these ranked games this week? Why don't we pick uh, a couple You can of those? pick them because I don't even know what they are. Oh. Um, all right. Well, how about we got Rod Want Rod Want? I got them right here. Uh, there is the – let me make sure I got it, get it correct here. Uh, okay, so the the games this weekend. Uh, Miami Notre Dame must Mi- be one of them. Eh? Notre Dame Miami. All right, Notre Dame Miami. Let's pick that one. Notre Dame Miami. I'll take Miami. Yeah. Hey, Miami's hot, man. Manny Diaz. I'll take Miami at home. Also, plus I'll take Miami. Give me give me Notre Dame with Josh Adams coming off of a bad game. I, right. I like the way they're running the football. Uh, then it's Georgia Auburn. That I'll take Georgia. That game is at Auburn, right? Yeah, I'll take Georgia. And the three top ten, the the higher ranked teams are on the road. This is crazy, yeah. Because okay. yeah. TCU's on, yeah. Give me oh, sorry, uh, Oklahoma's. Who? Give me Georgia. Yeah. I'll yeah, take you gotta Auburn. take Georgia. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Home. The run. Yeah, the run, I like the run game traveling, Rod B. I'll yeah. take the home dog. Okay. I like that. All yeah. Right. Then to our Texas prediction. Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna take Texas. You know what? I, I'm. This is the last gasp for me for this offense. Um, I think this defense is going to shut Kansas down because I think they're, especially those veterans on defense that have had to live with that Kansas loss yeah, it hurts. for the last year. I think Texas wins this game something along the lines of like, uh, I, I'm stop predicting field goals in my scores. Uh, so I'm going to take point. Texas to win 42 nothing. Ooh, 42 nothing. Ooh, that's a lot. I'll go, uh, man, I made a good point about those field goals. I'll go 30, 
I'll go thirty-five nothing because you read a good point about the field goals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah put field yeah. goals. In, I, ain't, yeah. I ain't predicting Texas scores with field goals. I'll say thirty-five nothing to shutout because that defense is pissed off. All right, yeah. and I'm gonna go against the grain. There will be plenty of field goals. This is a game that you send your kicker out to see if he can make a kick because it's not gonna good even point. matter. <laughs> but 